Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a glance at movies, celebrated comics, anime, and let you know if it's worth a second. And today we are talking about the top 10 movies of 2022. I am your host, Jeremy McQuinley, joined by Brian Powers. Welcome back, brother. Good to be back. In person. I know, we don't get a ton of these, so yeah. it's, uh, this is a special one. Yeah, I believed you said off mic that we hadn't done this in person since, what, 2018? Yeah, the top ten uh, movies. Yeah, we haven't done it since 2018. Mm. Alrighty then, well let's uh, let's hop into it. But before we do, I like to always do these when we do these top ten. I like to make a prediction of how much, of, uh, of how much crossover we're going to have with these lists. So I am going to predict, looking at my list, I'm going to predict three. Three. It's going to be three movies. Okay. This was definitely like a more interesting year. I'm going to say that uh, I feel like our lists are going to be very creative, especially because uh, only second next to probably 2020, when like more movies were coming out that we had to like watch on like streaming because right. theaters were shut down. So you're like, so. Yeah, I think that year I only had one movie that I saw in the theaters on my top ten list, mm-hmm. so uh, there's a few more this time, but it's still heavily streaming. Yeah, uh, I would say that too. Although a lot of these were in theaters, but I didn't know I, I didn't catch all of them in theaters. Right. So uh, let's just hop into it, Brian. What is your number ten? Um, I always like to do kind of a fun one for number 10 okay um and and this one is very fun uh this is a netflix movie mm-hmm. it is an indian movie okay it is called rrr let's hold on to that one we hold on to that hold one on all right that. excellent that i can't one, wait to uh, talk uh, about that one's a bit further up on my list all right perfect that one's great so uh you know we'll do my top t- uh my number 10 which is also what I consider to be super fun. Uh, definitely what I would consider to have uh, the most adrenalizing third act I've seen all year in a movie, and that is Top Gun Maverick. I was wondering if this would show up on your I, list. Every time I, every, every time I kept talking about it, I was like, damn, I had a good time in the theater. That was just so much fun. It was like, it was the most fun, it was most, most fun I've had in the theater in terms of just walking out. Man, that was, that was great. I had a good time. I walked out with my hand over my, my right heart. I was pledging allegiance to the flag. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it was just a good time. Tom Cruise is great. The way they committed to, you know, the real planes and getting all that great in-plane cinematography was, mm-hmm. you know, really enhanced the, uh, the immersion of the movie a lot. Uh, again... Again, it has faults, uh, like in, in terms of it being very basic, but it wasn't trying to be, and where it's trying to soar, pun intended, I think it, you know, I think I think it fires on all cylinders, and again, that last, which is literally just the trench run from Star Wars, they just did it, but did it better, I think. Well, and funny, I really fun, funny you say that, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people say, oh, it's essentially the trench run from Star Wars. However, mm-hmm. what they're actually homaging, ripping off, however you want to put it, is what inspired the trench run from Star Wars, which is a British movie from the 50s called The Dam Busters. Interesting. And so George Lucas actually took from that Mm -hmm. and put in the trench run because it's very similar. You're winding through canyons, and Mm -hmm. they're going in that movie to bust uh, dams... uh, in World War Two, mm-hmm. so that was like a historical fiction kind of movie or 
maybe based on the true story. So that's actually where um, George Lucas got that from. And so essentially this movie is a kind of a does like it, does a copy of a copy it's a copy of a copy but but I, no one knows about but the no one knows about the bear and busters <laughs> except for me because i go deep in the uh decades uh but uh but yeah a, a lot of the main mission um is is like almost just beat for beat the the damn busters damn busters to electric boogaloo <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It like it had the most heightened amount of stakes. You know what I mean? Like any wrong thing. Like I'm, I was watching uh, this new guy I found on uh, YouTube, and he was talking about when you have you know an antagonist, you need to give the like it's it, it's really ballsy and actually probably the best choice to give your antagonist like the best shit mm-hmm. in terms of like being armed and stuff. Like, like even the antagonist, like that one fighter plane, gets like the coolest maneuver in the entire movie. Right. Like, I, like, and, and gave like the most audible laugh when my, when my goes, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> you know, because it does like that weird kind mm-hmm. of like three sixties like l- like spiral and and gets behind them, and that was like really cool looking. And it was the villain that did that, or it was the bad guys that did it too. And and normally, the heroes like always get the coolest moves, right? Like in the coolest action beats, and I always feel like the villains need. To be threatening too, and I feel like they they were ample threatening. Uh, again, that whole them just dodging as many rockets as possible while putting out all the flares was just like, and yeah. yet somehow they pulled it off. I, I was I was I, I was riveted. It was just a, it was just a great time in the theaters. It was, a good, yeah. it was a perfect summer movie for me, in my opinion. I love how they um, two things that they carried over from the first movie uh, that I love was of course Iceman. Mm-hmm. How they were able to to put him in there, Val mm-hmm. Kilmer, yeah, with nice his moment. you know limitations with his throat and everything. The way they did all of that, just perfect. Mm-hmm. And and also how they carried over a lot of the stuff about Goose. You know, mm-hmm. he he's not in this movie, but he is. The movie is very much about him in spirit. Yeah, yeah, in spirit. And so I really like that. My my problem with this movie. Mm-hmm. Isn't the movie itself actually? It was the response to the movie, uh, because you know it's amazing that this movie is good, like yeah. at all. <laughs> like if you if you think about it, thirty years later, forty years later, you know it got pushed back how many times because of COVID and all of that, mm-hmm. and like this movie shouldn't be good. Yeah, and it and it is a good movie. Problem is, I kept hearing people be like, "Oh, that's like the best movie of all time. Oh, that's definitely the best." Damn movie it, they overhyped it. Yeah, this is so great. And, and this was after me watching it. I'm like, no, it was good. I can pick to death the things I didn't like about this movie. Yeah. And then I started doing that because everyone's like, ah, you know, because it needs to be taken down a bit. <laughs> and so, like, I think that's kind of colored ah, my view of it a little just, bit. And, and it just has all the hype, like, pushed your opposition button. They're like, okay, I got to push back now. Exactly. It's good, but come on, guys. That's that's exactly how it was. But I, I you everything you said is right. It was a fun time 
It was good, even though Neil deGrasse Tyson totally eviscerated the opening <laughs> scene and was like, "Yeah, if he parachuted he, out, he would have been he would have been dust. Yeah, yeah, he would have been dust. At what what was he at? Like Mach ten or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally, unless he unless he's being protected by the Speed Force, we're not surviving that. <laughs> but I think it's just proven that Tom Cruise is an actual superhero, right? Yeah, and. Praise him for holding on to like the modern blockbuster and trying to keep pushing action to keep us thrilled. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like with real stuff, you know what I mean? Like he's like held on to like that tangible. Like he's no, he's like I know I'm not trying to escape CGI. I'm just trying to give you as real of an experience as possible because you know, like you know, every like every film person's eye has ha- like has become so. Um, so wise to CGI and mm-hmm. cinema trickery now, like you know, even jump cuts. You know, we're like we have so many uh, shows on YouTube, yeah. that, like shows that I watch, like Corridor Crew, where they break down how they pull off certain switches. You know, like certain long take with waters mm-hmm. where they have, you know, like trick jump cuts and whatnot. So just seeing that he's just like, no, I made that jump and he made that jump there, and they were in real jets there, and and they were in real jets there. And, you know, when they're watching Mission Impossible, where, he, where the stunts, again, they're trying to be as real as possible. Yeah. Because, again, when we know, like, oh, like, like people know when you, like, after a while, they're like, I, I, I could, no, stunt double right there now, probably a stunt double there. Like, like we have eyes to, like, pick out where you put in stunt doubles now. And so it's kind of harder to trick a more cinematically literate audience that hasn't been this literate ever in terms of, like, knowing all the tricks of the trades. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, that's another little, like, tiny thing that only I would find fault with because I'm both a movie snob and I love airplanes Mm -hmm. and that's like so you we all know that they're in real planes Mm -hmm. we all at least I know that they weren't yeah they're not flying yeah they're not flying so in there uh, even though they are the pilots Mm -hmm. in there they are so far back in Mm -hmm. the plane like I could tell be like oh they're further back because they are in the jump seat Ah. and like I kept seeing that like oh yeah they're near the wing Mm -hmm. if they were actually flying it they'd be closer Ah. up to the to the front and that's just me being like a very that's like me with fight scenes you know what I mean right like I'm just like I mean I know that needs I know that a wider punch looks better on camera but nobody's throwing a punch this wide ever (laughs) but it needs to be blocked in telegraph so so the person can block encounter and we have an entertaining fight scene Mm -hmm. so and and there's no other way there's no other way to do it like literally rather, rather than them like actually fly the planes with them which the military will not have allow but like I, it was just a little thing I was, yeah i, was I mean like, it was unavoidable literally. yeah, yeah it I, mean, really was. I, I, I mean he got us as far as we could physically get <laughs> in a plane and, and brian's just like mm, but you didn't get to the front of the plane did you no mm. no you did not <laughs> not good enough <laughs> and that's not something i i actually took points off or anything, but it's kind of just but, one but of those once things. you know, you can't unknow. It kind of takes you out just a just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Well, Brian, your number nine. My number nine is actually a movie I saw in theaters. Uh, it was something that I hadn't. When I saw the trailer for it, uh, I hadn't heard about it, and then instantly I saw the trailer and be like, "Boom! I'm going to this movie. Sold. Can't wait. It's the Woman King." Okay. And uh, so this is... Or Wakanda Forever 3? Or Wakanda <laughs> Forever 3. Pretty much. Dude, yeah. well, no, just like, because they both came out within, like, months of each other. Yeah. And they both have, like, you know, they both have similar aesthetics, too. Mm-hmm. Of, like, women warriors 
on, like on the poster, like one's just more CGI. But I was just like, and I see, you know, when I see Viola Davis, I'm just like, I don't remember her. I don't. Is she is she in the new Black Panther movie? I, oh, this is a different movie. <laughs> okay, right. But the Dormelage were actually based based on, based on the Dom- off these. Uh, Dahomey tribe, right? Dahomey, yeah. yeah, yeah, Dahomey tribe, mm-hmm. and the the women uh, warriors. They're the Agoji, mm-hmm. is is what they were. So um, yeah, this is starring um, Viola Davis, and uh, they are. She is like the general of an all female unit of warriors mm-hmm. uh, in Africa. And Dahomey is set in the eighteen hundreds, and uh, basically you're watching Viola Davis as she's training. The next generation of recruits as they're battling with a um, a neighboring like country, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean Viola Davis. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, she's she's one of the, her, the best actresses of her generation. So, is it safe to say we can just call her the Black Meryl Streep? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's, she very that's much, fair. She is very much the Black Meryl Streep for sure. I mean, she she's amazing. Like. You know she's you know she's older and yet this is a very physical role, very physical movie, and you know it, it it's hard for these types of movies to be like believable because you have to be jacked. You have to be. It's 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 really hard to make to make women beating up men look realistic, right? Because you just know, like especially if you like fight it all or just. If you just have a females around you, you like, 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 you know when they hit you and then you, like, you nudge them and they just, like, go flying because weight is a thing, upper body strength is a thing, it's hard to sell that they can hit a man and it looks like the man, because, like, I, I, I remember, like, cause my, my wife is real savvy to it now because I point out fight scenes and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, like, there's a scene in, like, uh, Miss Congeniality where she's, like, showing off, like, how to do a self-defense move, right? Mm-hmm. And she, like, elbows the guy and then, like, throws him over the shoulder, right? And my wife was like, oh, was asking me like would that move work and then I was like no look he's literally throwing himself over like over her like and, and then like she's like oh yeah it looks like he's and, and you can t- totally tell when like the stunt performers have to like oversell the hit because the hit doesn't look like it has that much power so so it was yeah. really so, so 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 and so it was really done well in this movie yeah, it was done well the fight choreography was believable it was really well done mm-hmm. the cinematography was just phenomenal in this the the production design and the costuming mm-hmm. all of that just like puts you there mm-hmm. you know especially when you have like a period piece like this uh it, you know a lot of that stuff is really important because you have to be able to immerse yourself or be immersed in this time period and mm-hmm. some do it better than others yeah um and and this is definitely one of those where like I never once questioned like what time they were in, where they were. Like mm-hmm. it felt very authentic. Now, question: I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of the controversy that came out when the movie came out, right? Uh, where they, where like it was also like established that like in real what yeah. they did, and it was very much like like one side didn't really want to talk about it. One side felt like. It was a gotcha, you know what I mean? Like, haha, you're, you know, like you're showing heroes from the people that were slave traders. Correct. And yeah, they very and, much sanitized that. that. And and even in, and, and even if it's like established in the movie that they hit it raw, the trailer makes them look like 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 straight up heroes, like like mm-hmm. so to speak. And so you're very much like 
and it's also in this kind of Hollywood thing now where, like, you know, strong women is is very much a, a marketable thing right now. So you're kind of like, oh, there's so you know, like, it's called Woman King. It's, like, right. really, like, selling hardcore, like, strong women, but also in history, it's 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 much dirtier. It is much dirtier in terms of what was going on. Ab- absolutely. And when it comes to this, any of these based off true events or based off a of true story movies, I always look at like historical fiction mm-hmm. like that's fair a lot of it's like Braveheart that's fair you know like if you take Braveheart as like a fictional retail as historical fiction great movie if you take it as a biopic not so great you know and and I guess it, it's just how you view it a bit and I I, I just kind of went historical fiction in terms of this you know, this group existed. As a, existed. These people within the group, eh, not give, really. Like, not I know really. King Giza existed, but like, he, I know that, like, they basically fudged kind of yeah. what they were about, what they mm-hmm. did when they wanted to end slavery. Some of them yeah. didn't even want to because it had amassed them so much power. Also, it was very much a kind of you're either enslaving or you're being enslaved. So it's kind of like they're, they're afraid of that. So I get. I get that, but it, it, it's just such a, it seems like such a really, what I believe to be a very deep, interesting, co- like, conversation to be explored, but but the but, it, but the movie sold is almost like a blockbuster to some right. degree, that it feels like this isn't the kind of movie that's going to have that kind of deep, yeah like, Oscar, not necessarily Oscar, but more like drama, where, like, it has, where it just wants to sit in the conversation more than, like, the action and spectacle and feel goodness of it, I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like they definitely did miss out on an opportunity to have, like, a very nuanced, raw kind of story, mm-hmm. uh, complex yeah. story, um, and, and, and they kind of sanitized it a bit to, to appeal to a wider audience, yeah, which, I mean, unfortunately... You got to. That's what yeah. making. And, um... But Wait, yeah, you say I, whiter or whiter? Huh? You say whiter or whiter? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. You don't walk so, up feeling guilty. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, absolutely. And you know, I didn't really know that stuff until after. Mm-hmm. And you know, there is a reason why it's not higher up on my list. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it was. Great, you know, it was really good movie. Fantastic performances. Lashana Lynch was just as good as Viola Davis. Our boy from uh, John Boyega, John Boyega. From yeah. Star Wars, he did a good job as well. Like it was all really good uh, performances. It was like a badass, you know, female empowerment kind of movie, which always great if it's done well. Yeah. Like any movie, right? It's always like, like it's always like yeah. if it's done well, <laughs> exactly. And um, you didn't. I didn't feel like it was being overly preachy or on that end. They were just be like, these are badass women. Yeah, watch them be badass. And I'm like, cool. But they weren't kind of hitting you over the head. Over the head. Where I am like, like there wasn't like a I am woman. Hear me roar speech every five minutes. No, <laughs> no, there was not. And um, no, I, I I very much enjoyed the movie. Um, like I said, I didn't hear about that other stuff until later, of course. Um, so I just went based off of the movie that I saw and the fact that this is a historical fiction movie about 
African history. Not African American, not American, not white American, not European. It is about African history. And um, even if some of the stuff was fudged, like, you don't get that. You haven't in the past got that a lot. So, like... Gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. Absolutely. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I'll have to check that out somewhere. Because I guess for me... And I am very much like you where I do take most based on a true story. It's just like some of these people existed, some of this happened. I'm not I'm never gonna go to the movie as well well it happened in the movie this way, so you know I'm like I'm never gonna like have the movie be like be my book report. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whenever but I'm having a conversation about the actual events. What the the movies like that should be doing is is provoking you to go back and read the actual accounts and the actual history of it, which a lot of the best like either biopics or based on true story movies do. Like mm-hmm. I go and like, ooh, let me read the the actual mm-hmm. like legit uh, things that happen. And I always like to see the differences between the movie and what actually happened because you know it's Hollywood. It, you you have to smooth some of that stuff out to. Make it a more cinematic kind of oh, yeah. movie, but that's what these kind of films should be doing: is provoking you to to learn more. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, I mean, I love history stuff like same. you, so yeah. like you don't need to do much. Like I learn about stuff just on just while I'm at work because I just would like to. I don't necessarily need a movie too, but the average person may need it to pique the curiosity, right? Absolutely. Cool, cool. Let's hop over to what are we at? Where where my number nine? My number nine is, and it kind of wasn't on there for a while, but like as I just kind of sat on it, I just realized this is probably the most, in my opinion, just like feel-good movie for me, mm-hmm. and that is Hustle with Adam Sandler. Hustle, all yeah. right, yeah. This is, I gotta be honest, man, this is one of Adam Sandler's, you know, like best movies. I'm like, I mean, I'm not putting it next to like, oh, actually I am kind of, like not as good, but like, you know, Uncut Gems, where like Adam Sandler's like it's shot different than an Adam Sandler normal movie like it's shot with some great cinematography like the basketball is shot very well Adam seems to be playing somewhat kind of himself but also has a wide range of emotions that he's hitting with like I feel like genuine sincerity uh, the actor they got to play that uh, uh, that player that he trained I think is fantastic yeah he, he's an actual NBA player and like you know it's always tough when you're getting a athlete to play you know a, a to be an actor because yeah you got the athletic part but you know there's still a lot of acting that comes with that mm-hmm. so um even if it is something that's uh, familiar to you but uh he yeah he and i was looking for the seams on it too and i was like oh, he's, he's a good actor like after he started playing he should right? uh, really think he was about really this good <laughs> Yeah, his name is Juan Alberto uh, Hernana Gomez, yeah. and uh, and I just I didn't even know he was an actual player. Like mm-hmm. I thought maybe they got it. I thought maybe they were like we need actors that can also play basketball very well to be convincing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was an actual player. Yeah, because I'm just you know outside of like Kevin Garnett and Uncut Gems, I'm like I've never seen an NBA player like act believable in anything. Right. <laughs> right. So. Watching it, I was like, first, like it's a great story. Uh, just a simple story of a guy who is, you know, been just been a scout for a long time for the Seventy Sixers, and just wants to be has wanted to be a coach for a long time, and just feeling that like that just him pushing for it, pushing for it. And by the end, you're rooting for it, and at the end, I'm just because 
this is like you know like this is the pinnacle of like a Rocky type movie where like there's a lot of failure yeah before they get like that shot and, and that's what you need to make that win feel sweeter and I feel like this movie hit all the right things it did nothing new but I it, if you know how to do it right so some like sometimes this is just what you need and I feel yeah. like and I feel like like again it, this is there is a lot of swearing in here so I, so I guess this is more like for like older family because mm-hmm. I wouldn't say have the kids there necessarily I'll, but that's more for the that's more for the swearing I don't feel like outside of the swearing there's not really any other kind of material that's like not for kids oh, no. so I would say like like maybe once you have like a 13 year old you like yeah. like get the family around and watch it because this is this is a feel good movie this is like a Thanksgiving type you know like, yeah. like, like get around and enjoy a type movie for sure and you know, I I think the the uh, the trick is for a- Adam Sandler is just get him in a movie with basketball players acting, and apparently it's just all gold because <laughs> right. he's two for two right now, right? Uh, so he's he's great. But I will say the most um, unrealistic thing I saw in that whole movie. Mm-hmm. Is Adam Sandler being married to <laughs> Queen Latifah? Come on, she's too much woman she's for him. Too much woman for him. <laughs> he can't handle that. Dude, she's too much woman for any man. It's true. <laughs> Let's be real. Very, very true. Very, very true. But uh, no, it was fun. And of course, you got Ben Foster. What can't Ben Foster do? You that know, playing the uh, the bad guy, rich yeah. playboy. Like mm-hmm. he's always good. You know, he's always good. I love him. And I love him. An alpha dog. He's great in Lone Survivor. Like I mean. The guy's, guy's he, versatile. He's versatile, and I feel like people don't. He's one of the best actors that very few people actually like know of. Yeah, or talk just, about. Yeah. Or talk about. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Like I put him in the same category as like Michael Shannon. You know, yeah. Where like every time he's in it, Michael Shannon's always yeah magnifique. But like everyone's not kicking on the door for Michael Shannon. But if he's right. in it, I'm just like Michael Shannon's in this. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm like, like I'm excited if he's in it. You know. And every yeah. scene he's in, he's always like, yeah. he's gonna hold, like, like he's gonna hold court. So yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that is my number nine. So I guess we're into number eight now for you, sir. Yeah. All right. What is your number eight, sir? Number eight is a movie, uh, a prequel, actually, of a franchise I'm not a huge fan of, uh, which may so it basically. Uh, had to go very far to impress me, and I believe it did. Uh, mm-hmm. This is Prey. Oh shit! Yes. You didn't like Predator One, the first Predator? I just watched it maybe three or four years ago. It was fine. It was a little bit too macho. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. It, I, maybe that's just not my Brian, Brian, type Brian. of thing. Maybe I saw it too late. No. I didn't grow up with it. You know what? Let's just have a Predator review just like <laughs> separately so we can like have a full discussion on why you need... Why I'm wrong? What, what, <laughs> no, why you just why you just don't understand. It's fine. It's, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll need to do like a watch along or something. Oh yeah, because I think the movie is quite good and I think that over machismo-ness that you're talking about, yeah. I think it's actually on purpose and I think okay. and there's a whole and there's a whole thing that that they were trying to do with showing that all the machismo meant nothing at one point when they're emptying right. all their guns and it being like you need to like all like all this bravado meant nothing in the end and it's yeah. and, it's, and it's kind of actually 
kind of in its own like fun way like kind of breaking down the 80s action star mm-hmm. and saying after you know like what are all the muscles and guns give you after this point and right. you're like now you're down like crawling in the mud and you're fighting this thing and it's kicking your ass and in the end he's like traumatized so he like like he's not he's not he's like he's not he's not flying away with a cigar and you know in a one ladder he this guy is traumatized and i and, and i feel like most a lot of 80s movies like minus like rambo like the like the stars were always untouchable like emotionally you know what i mean right. too so they felt like superheroes and and, may, and maybe you know as you're saying that i'm actually thinking well you know i watched this as i was going through the 80s right mm-hmm. it was one of those and uh, i think it was towards the end of my my 80s uh journey mm. and so maybe i was a little shell you, you were all machoed out by that yeah I believe, you know, <laughs> too many glistening muscles you're just like ah so. more muscles more guns oh, gosh. where where i didn't really catch that nuance mm. so yeah. you know it definitely might be just one. watch it again with that and maybe i don't know you know it, it, it could but so what we're talking well, we're talking prey now so we're talking comanche versus predators absolutely all comanche right. versus predators um, it's set about 260 years before the original film, and it follows an aspiring Comanche war- warrior. Uh, her name is Naru, and she's trying to protect her tribe from... Well, she doesn't know it at first, but mm-hmm. eventually finds that uh, she is trying to protect her tribe from a predator. Mm-hmm. And uh, first off, the cast is predominantly indigenous mm-hmm. including uh the actress that plays uh naru mm-hmm. uh, an actor by the name of amber midhunter she is phenomenal in this just the the ferocious like emotion and tenacity that she has mm-hmm. she's very believable um um in in the role and like, what's really cool, you know, a lot of uh, movies with, like, female warriors, we were kind of talking about, you have that, that lack of believability, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of, like, weight and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in some movies you have uh, kind of the Mary Sue syndrome, where mm-hmm. they're too good at everything. They're untouchable. They're untouchable. What's really cool about this movie is in the beginning... It's very clear that she has weaknesses. Oh, yeah. And through the movie, she works to uh, not only shore up her weaknesses, but also learn to use her strengths more, um, like her speed, her agility, um, her uh, ingenuity Mm -hmm. um, in setting traps and all this kind of stuff. So she... And so she becomes more and more formidable as the movie goes on and you see that progression through the story and it's something interesting about this movie so uh there's a a point in the movie where like the the predator just ignores her Mm -hmm. and there's and she has a line where she's like and it's and i don't know like i kind of felt i i don't know uh there's a line where she you can tell she's almost like hurt at first like that it doesn't see her as a threat which is which? Which I feel like is very much kind of almost a statement within itself. Oh, absolutely. On womanhood in itself, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's even though it wasn't a good movie, there was the that line in the new Elizabeth Banks Charlie Daniels movie. Yeah, but yeah, but you remember that line though, where she's like, it takes like the average guy like 
two to two, three seconds longer to recognize or, or to recognize a woman as a threat. Mm-hmm. So if a woman does something, they're more just kind of like, what's going on here before they like realize, oh shit, like shit is real. Yeah. And it's just a, like, as men, we're not really threatened by women f- physically. If, you know, I mean, if they have a knife, if they have the gun, of course, but we're, but generally like women aren't shooting up things. They're not attacking things like, mm-hmm. you know, 90, 90% of violent crimes in the world are generally men because we got the testosterone, we got the angst and, Sometimes a lot of us, uh, sometimes some of us don't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that there was definitely that kind of message there that like she was like, okay, well, I'm going to use your, you know, you not seeing me as a threat as an advantage. And I really thought that that was, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also love that bone helmet. Yeah, that bone helmet that the Predator has. Yeah. Badass. I really appreciated that because, um, you know, not only do you have another like version of the predator it's a more primitive look because this is 260 years for the first film so they're not gonna have you know in that time they're gonna come up with better equipment and things like that lasers you know like that like more like hard hard projectile weapons but not laser projectile weapons Mm -hmm. uh there's that great that great you know monster in the fog with all the with, with all the french trappers yeah, and he's just, and that, that was just a fun scene of him just going, going full, going full predator. I mean, he fucks some guys. Yeah, he fucks, uh, fucks them up. Yeah, and and what I also like is the use of long shots mm-hmm. um, for your more like brutal scenes, so it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's over the top gore mm-hmm. uh, because you're kind of seeing it at a, from a distance. At a kind distance. of so, so it doesn't have to like it doesn't feel too what's the word gratuitous. Yeah, but you, but but you still get but you still get your gore the same. Yeah, way. and it gets the point across. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you oh, don't yeah. need to have a super close up on you know someone getting their their head chopped up or something it's like you you get the point from a distance but, but sometimes you do but sometimes, sometimes you do, sometimes you, do. <laughs> sometimes you, do. <laughs> you know all things in moderation <laughs> yeah but i just and i and he does it they do it a few different times so it's definitely like a choice and i just like having it's just that different kind of choice because you don't see that a lot mm-hmm. um I, i'd recommend to any audience member listening to this podcast to watch the movie in comanche because yes. like because like i didn't it for because I didn't and mm-hmm. it's fine but like the dialogue isn't great enough to I that I need to hear it in English right like like you know like like I'm, I think the movie's fine I just don't think the dialogue is that great right so like I'm like I'd rather just hear it like I'd rather be more immersed and just like listen to it and it's negative there's like, a certain a authenticity yeah to it. for sure uh, and honestly I wish they would have did that with like you know Black Panther where they just spoke more Wakandan because right. when I hear them speaking English they're saying English and more like American kind of slang terms that kind of t- made it feel less authentic to the culture they're trying to like mm-hmm. well, represent but yeah I thought yeah. that, that movie was pretty fun yeah I mean it's a fun movie it's got it's got enough themes going around it about you know the very brutal coming of age film yeah her brother was badass by the way her brother was badass as well um, just a yeah a story about survival and and protecting those around you and and kind of female empowerment once again feeling very earned yeah I, I, um, I will say it, it, it did have a couple moments of like angsty angsty girl with chip on her shoulder yeah, type yeah. energy and it and i didn't feel like the movie necessarily earned that and the script didn't earn that from her okay because i feel like i feel like the tribe didn't give her much pushback on her wanting to be a hunter mm-hmm. like 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 she, like she would wander off and do like hunting 
training or whatever, and no yeah. one was like, hey, you got to go do this. You have responsibilities. She just kind of had kind of ample Fair. free time to do stuff. And I never yeah. really, and she was like, that whole thing of the brother being like, why do you want to do this? He's like, because you all think I can't. I'm like, did anyone else say, like, besides those, like, generic bully, like, Comanche guys that were like, hey, you know, you're a girl, you can't do that. But, like, the Afri- the tribe seemed to not really care what, like, like what she was doing. Yeah. Or be like, you know, this is a, you know, this is a man's job. You know, the women are supposed to be doing this. Like, she didn't, I didn't really feel, like, the rules of that tribe pull her. And if I would have saw that more, I would have felt like she had something to kind of push more against. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's probably probably the biggest fault for me with that movie is, is just that the angst just didn't feel earned in the script. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really get that, but, I mean, I definitely, as you explain it, like, I definitely see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, well, it's good to hear that one predator got it. <laughs> yeah, one predator got it. Goodness gracious. All right, we're going to go to my number eight, then, if you're done, sir. Yes, I am. And we're going to go to... The Ban- uh, Banshees of Anna Sharon. Oh, I haven't been able to see this one yet. Yeah, this one popped up on HBO Max like maybe like last late last week, and I'm like, thank God, because I needed to watch this before my top ten because uh, this director is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I got his name in right here. Give me a second. Where is he at? Uh, Neil McDonough. Oh no, no, Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough. Yeah. Uh, he was um, about to say Neil McDonough is the blonde guy with yeah. the blue eyes. Who's a really good villain. Really good villain. <laughs> he's, he was great and justified. Um, no, uh, Martin McDonough, who also did Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. He did uh, Three uh, Billboards Outside mm-hmm. of Ebbing, Missouri. He also did, um, what did he I think he did In Bruges. Yes. As well, with um, Colin Farrell and um, Ray Fiennes, I believe. Also, I think with Brendan Gleeson, maybe. Maybe, Possibly. maybe, but that's also one of my favorite movies. That's like, like that's one like again. His movies are kind of like hidden gems where you yeah. watch them and they're like, "This is really good." Yeah, but uh, but yeah, this one. Have you seen this one? I haven't. Okay, no. so um, basic premise: you got uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin Farrell, and they're just on this kind of island right off the coast of Ireland, and they're the best friends. And one day, Brendan Gleeson's just like, "I don't want to be friends with you anymore." That's it, you know. And, and, and Colin Farrell's character is like, "Why?" Like, you know, and it like, and he's just, "Why?" And the guy is just like, "I just want to live life. I I want to make something that lasts. And unfortunately, I think you're dull. <laughs> and so I just want some silence. I want to make some music, hang with my dog. That's pretty much all I want to do. But it's also a super small island, so you know what I mean. Once you're like locked into your things or have your friends, that's pretty much who you're gonna hang out with pretty much the rest of your life. Like it's very much a, it's very much about um, kind of a commentary on small town life, especially because it takes place like mid 1920s. Mm-hmm. So there's some kind of war happening actually in Ireland because every time, like like there are times where they're walking around on these just gorgeous like little settings, and you just hear like cannon fire and you just hear like a war going on on the like on on the mainland like just right, right there like right with the ear rings like where sometimes someone's walking you just and they stop because they hear the, uh, the gunfire that's that loud across it and it's just this is just a story of friendship and a story of um outgrowing a friend trying to you know like just trying to figure out what you want that matters I felt for both characters. I'm an extrovert, so I really felt for Colin Farrell's character because he's very much like, I love my best, this is my best friend, and I'm on a tiny island, so we hang out all the time. But it's like, imagine if I was, I just put myself in the shoes of a guy who was like, I only have one best friend, and he doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And 
all I do is hang out with them when I'm not working. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> right. And it's pretty much simple as that. And But I also understand Brendan Gleeson's character where he's just like, I want to make something that lasts. And we kind of just talk about the same shit all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. So I just want some silence. But like, Colin Firth just cannot leave him alone. <laughs> but I understand that like, like how loneliness hits us extroverts super hard. That does. <laughs> so I feel like when you watch this, you'll, like you'll understand mm-hmm. from both from both points of view. But the acting is superb. It's uh, it's darkly funny at times because there's this whole thing where there's this one uh, girl who like runs the shop that he delivers milk to. That's just like give me news because she's just bored. She needs something to talk about, and she's just like whenever someone comes in to like buy something from her, she's just like give me news first. What's going on? Give me some gossip. Something. I'm just that bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone's in everyone's business just because there's just nothing to talk about. Right. And so and it just it really captures that well. It's just it's very much a very small movie though. Like in terms of like its scope, it's just about these two guys and like his sisters in there too. And uh, yeah, it just it just hit me in the feels. And this guy has been, I guess this guy, let me see, those four movies, The Ebbing, Missouri, The Simon Psychopaths, The Embrews, like, he's like, whatever he, whatever I've seen of his, he's perfect score right now in terms of movies he's he's made that I, I, I like them all. Mm-hmm. So, highly recommend you check this movie out, sir. Awesome, yeah, it's one of those I've been meaning to, I just couldn't get around to it. It's all good, sir, it's all good. They're definitely movies I couldn't see, but I, did, I couldn't get to, um, I know Babylon comes out, and I, I think yeah. I think it comes out like a couple of days from now, yeah. maybe. And that's my, and that's my boy um, from who did Whiplash. I forgot his name. Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle, yeah. So I just I was excited to see it, but we just couldn't fit it in in time. And then I haven't seen The Whale either. So yeah, there you know, like 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 there are those few Oscar movies that I'm just like we just just couldn't get around to. Absolutely. But but you know we're not like we don't have press baggage. We just that our job is to go see movies. We have lives, you know. Yeah. Wives, girlfriends, jobs, all that stuff. So. All that stuff, absolutely. Cool, cool. Well, are we on your number seven? Number seven. All and right. This is the most recent film that I saw. Okay. Uh, just the other day mm-hmm. with, uh, with my brother and uh, sister-in-law. And uh, it, this is The Menu. I wanted to see this. Yes. I wanted to see this. I heard, yeah. it was, I heard it was super fun. It is very fun movie. So it's kind of a... I would mostly say it's uh, a like a dark comedy with horror thriller elements. You got a little sprinkle of horror thriller. Yeah, exactly. And uh, very satirical mm-hmm. as well. Um, nice bite. It uh, focuses on a young couple who uh, visits a... like. Very exclusive restaurant on it on its own island. The mm-hmm. only thing on this island is the, is restaurant. the restaurant. The staff and everyone lives on the restaurant, or lives on the island, and like no one else does. And uh, this is where like a very like famous chef, think your Gordon Ramsay's, mm-hmm. your Anthony Bourdain's, mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, he's prepared a very lavish, like, multi-course meal. Uh, it's like, you know, $1,200 a head, mm-hmm. and there's only 12 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, along with the food are some very shocking, uh, twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, essentially, uh, this, uh, chef, he... Uh, through his success, ha- is no longer 
driven or passionate about it and so he, all of these people that he has gathered here very intentionally um handpicked handpicked he has uh uh picked them because they are part of the reason he is no longer passionate mm. about his art so this is personal very personal so you have you have, you know, the tech bros. They're, it, so everyone in this movie, save for the main character who's played by Anya Taylor-Joy, are just pretty despicable. Funny, or mm -hmm. fun despicable, you know? Just like, I, I feel like every like branch of like rich society, in terms of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly, so you got your tech bros, you got your uh, food critic who's mm -hmm. like destroyed, uh, helped prop this chef up, but have destroyed so many other mm -hmm. restaurants and chefs. Um, you have your uh, rich couple who has been to this restaurant seven or eight times in like the past year and they're just like mindlessly consuming. They don't even remember what they had. At one point he asked like, out of all the meals that you've had, just name one item, mm -hmm. one dish mm -hmm. that I have cooked for you. And like the woman's like, oh, it's cod. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it was halibut, you <laughs> moron. And she's like, what's the difference? You know, just that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, you have... Oh, so more for the clout for those guys? Where yeah. It's just, like, it's just to say that you ate from them. It's, it's, just, it's not really important what the specificity of it is. Exactly. Then you have uh, John Leguizamo is playing a washed-up actor, mm -hmm. and then Nicholas Holt is, like, obsessed with this uh, chef. Straight-up nerd about the food. Yeah, he, he knows so much, but he he's that type who, like, wants wants you to know that he knows so he's a hipster. More than you. Who wants, oh, so, oh, so he likes to flex. He likes to flex. He likes to flex. Okay. And he does the whole thing. And it's just so great because it starts off pretty, you know, it's good dishes or whatever, but then it gets a little bit weirder. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit weirder. That's good. And then it just kind of busts right open. Awesome. And yeah, this is uh, what I wanted to see for a, for a yeah. while. I just didn't have time. Yeah, you have. So you have uh, Ray Fines. He's playing the chef, and he is phenomenal. Like they apparently they like wrote this part. They're like, yeah, let's write it like a Ray Fines type. You know, we probably can't get him, but let, let's write it for him. And he has these like long monologues where he is because uh, it's kind of a show where he's like introducing each. Each dish, dish right, yeah. and everything like that in these long monologues and they get a little bit more sinister as you <laughs> go along but it's so you just get enthralled by what he is doing and what he is saying and I mean Ray Fiennes is just I mean just amazing and Anya Taylor-Joy's great and Nicholas Holt is playing he, he's the one who's like the fanboy mm -hmm. and he is just so good at playing such a shitbag, you know? Mm -hmm. He he just has a real talent for that. Oh, he's a great character actor. Yeah, he's a really, really very good looking guy, but a very good but character. He but he but again he's not he's not he's not handsome leading man roles that he normally plays. He's, right. he's normally like giving you warm bodies but but then also giving you like 
Uh, wasn't that him and about a boy? Was he the little kid and about a boy or no? I think so. Was him and a little yeah, kid and about a boy? Sure that's him. Yeah. And then that's him and Mad Max Fury Road as well. Right. You know, and that's also him and X Men. Like he's all you know, you know. And I never, I never see a performance in another thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's always giving. Like I, like I don't like I don't see like like what is it Nux or whatever his character in Mad Max? Like I never I don't see that character than any other thing he plays. Like he's right. I don't feel like he's giving me the same. No, you know, like very, the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, varied. His, mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah this this film is about like ego and art mm-hmm. and art criticism and like i said mindless consumption uh the loss of passion and mm-hmm. drive when you capitalize you on plateau. your art or something you're passionate mm. about um i really like how the culinary arts essentially is like an allegory for cinema, you know, because they're kind of talking about, you mm-hmm. know, very parallel when mm-hmm. we're talking about capitalizing on cinema, cinema or uh, like an art, you know, a food critic and film critic. Like there's these very easy parallels so. to this, but it's talking to you in a different kind of. Hmm. So what you're saying is this is like Velvet Buzzsaw, but good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's very meta and, like I said, very satirical, um, very fun. Like they'll introduce. It kind of feels like a cooking show at some points, where mm. like it, with each dish uh, or course, it'll like put up on screen mm-hmm. um, what the course what, is. What but like is as it? things get a little bit more sinister, and sinister, stuff. it still puts it up, but. Yeah. does it in a very funny way gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> and uh yeah th- this film was it was just fun my sister-in-law and i just loved it my brother didn't actually but yeah it just wasn't his jam but like i feel like if you do take this movie at like face value you might not really get it you kind of have to work with this movie a little bit you know mm-hmm as it is a satire so mm-hmm. if you just with a lot of satires if you just take it at face value you you're not going to get this mm-hmm. film. and 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 i think that goes for a lot of your more satirical well that's not what's well, satire the comedy between the lines you know? exactly so it's not always so you can't you can't take it at face value you you've got to go a little bit above a little bit further yeah yeah you know i love to laugh but also be challenged you know right and, and like i said i wish it maybe had a little bit more gore to it mm-hmm. like i i feel like they could have gone a little bit further on those horror elements mm-hmm. but what we got was i mean it was fun it was i mean we laughed it was a thrilling i mean and the acting all around was just really good so mm. uh, it was a fun movie cool i'll have to check that one out all right let's hop over to my number seven so this technically came out in t- 2021 but it didn't come out in the states until february of, of this year so gotcha. for me it counts uh, this is a Norwegian film. Yes, I think you know. You may know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking this about. This one is. Uh, this one is called the worst person, person in the world. Absolutely. Have you seen this one? I have seen this one. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, it it was up in my top ten for for a while this year, and then I towards the end I saw I just kind of found a few other films that I that I liked a little bit better, but. It's one of those, you know, if you didn't mention it now, it would be in my, my honorable, honorable mentions, mentions for sure. Yeah, I watched this one with my wife and it just kind of like, I 
kind of got swept up in it, you know, because it's good because it's very much a you know it's a it's a dramedy, you know, of sorts yeah. in terms of like 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 not like it's funny, but it's not tr- but the, but the comedy is just in the real human drama for me in terms of things that the things that happen. But there's a lot of like trying to figure out what life is like, what you want to be in this character who's you know starts off in one field and ends up kind of wanting to go to another and then another and then being like, what do I really want to do? And then like the question of do you like do you want to be a parent? And she's dating a guy that's 15 years older than her. So there's you know there's definitely you know when you're dating someone that's a good decade and a half ahead of you, like you know what you want in life can definitely differ by a large margin. When you're 30 years old and you're like, eh, I'm going to figure out what I want in my life. And you're, you know, and you're sitting there at 45, like, maybe I want some kids. You know what I mean? Like, you definitely want to, like, lock down that your goals are similar before you maybe commit <laughs> to each other for a long period of time because feelings are a motherfucker. <laughs> and, yeah. and I thought this one was just, this one was just good. And yeah. I kind of describe this to to some people as like the anti rom com because it has a lot of the setups mm-hmm. of like what you would see in a rom com, but when a rom com zigs, this movie zags <laughs> and hard, dude, hard zag, dude. There's a whole thing where a character gets, I think it's cancer, cancer, yeah, and the way that's handled is so beautiful. Oh boy! Oh yeah. my gosh! Like I don't think I've ever seen a mo- like a movie handle like death like this, where the character you know he's talking to her and they're sitting on a bed and he's like, "I said I don't want to die." Like you know, like most people have kind of like accepted that they're gonna die because mm-hmm. and you know because generally, like whether they just accept it or maybe they're old and have lived enough life to where they're like, "I'm good," you know, I've had a good run. But he's just like, "No, I haven't." There's this, uh, my wife always likes to bring this up, but, um, what's his name? Gene Wilder, he was talking about his, yeah. uh, his, his, uh, his wife that, that, that died of cancer, I believe. I forgot what, but she, but she died, uh, from something and he had this, and he said, like, I thought she was going to make it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I accepted it. It's like, I thought she was going to make it. And very much like what happens when we, when people go and we don't accept what's happening to mm-hmm. us or we're just like, I'm not ready to go. And I know I'm not happy with this. I'm going to go, but I'm not happy with it. <laughs> right. And the movie just just sits there and just sits in it. And I, and I feel like it's written in such an, in a, uh, from such an honest place. And, the, and the, that guy's performance was just, my gosh. I, like, I, I, it was probably a good 20 minutes of silence in this room. And there's my wife just and I watching just being like, that was some real shit. We just, we just experienced right there. And then just where it ends. Like, I mean, I... I don't know, man. This movie, this movie did it for me, and and I don't think it's for everybody. But I think that like if you hadn't seen it, I would have been like, check this shit out. It's some oh, good yeah. shit. No, it, it it was painful to leave it off, but uh, it like I said, as you know, when you do that, you know, it was one of the first movies that I watched this year. So as you go through the year, you know, it might start up high and then it just drops. A little bit, mm-hmm. and then it drops a little, and then by the end it just barely dropped right off my, you know, just off my list. But absolutely, I'm glad you have it on here. Yeah, between a, the two of us, you know, it's a very good film. I think it's an excellent film. I think it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's like a great movie to watch in your mid twenties. Yeah, to like, like in the way that like a good tragedy kind of helps you behoove like stupid decisions before you make them. 
this movie I feel like is good for that. You know what I mean? When you're like, like oh, like like just just the whole idea of like dating someone like that much far older than you. Like I feel like this movie gives you a realistic idea of like the kind of conversations you're gonna have, the kind of struggles you're gonna have if you don't ask like ask the questions and kind of ask yourself what do you want now and maybe you shouldn't be playing in the sandbox yet because you're not ready for it. Right. And I feel like this movie just just just, just tackled that in such an honest way. So Yeah, and and, and also it kinda is the movie's very much about someone whose quarter life crisis continues on into oh. their thirties. Yeah. And as you're as you know, we're kind of seeing the different generations of things. You're seeing this more often in the millennials, and then you know, as we're moving into the Gen Zs, is that's kind of extending out a little bit longer than uh, previous uh, generations, simply because there's a lot more uh, obstacles in, in in their way. A lot more obstacles, also a lot more luxuries. A lot, just sure. again, you know, like I, I, I you know, like I feel like. You know, we're you know like you know, like we're both the most like intelligent generation, but also like the laziest at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like you know, just looking at our phones. I'm sure we've wasted more time than like they have combined in terms of like just putting work in and stuff that we just weren't because they're just like we're not looking at it. We don't. What are phones? You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. talking on the phone, and then we go to work or we read a book or something or go outside. Yeah. So, but yeah, the worst person in the world is my number seven. I guess we're on number six now. Yeah. What you got? So this is uh, a documentary. This okay. was a very good year for documentaries. Okay. I think I have maybe two or three on here, but on my honorable mention, I have maybe like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Like I, this was a very, very good for do- uh, documentary year. All right. What's this one? And this one is so one movie that I I heard about during Sundance, and then it. Made it to Netflix just a month or two later, um, and it was right up my alley. I mentioned before, very much an air, airplane person, mm-hmm. um, and my dad's jet engine mechanic, so that's just right down the the, the middle uh, of the plate for me. And this is Downfall, the case against Boeing. So this documentary is goes into uh, the investigation into the Boeing 737 Maxes okay. that uh, crashed in I think Indo- Indo- Indonesia a handful of years ago, okay. killing 346 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also explores uh, the root cause of these crashes and uh, kind of the human cost of it. Okay. Um, so just a, it sounds like you haven't, haven't, I have not even heard of it. No, you haven't heard of it. All right. So basically what, uh, the gist of it is, is that, um, Boeing, uh, took the 737 and they wanted to make it more fuel efficient. So you had very, you had bigger engines. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to do that, they had to put a new software on there uh, because, as uh, with the bigger engines, it as they uh, the uh, as the plane goes up uh, because of that extra weight, it could stall mm-hmm. a little bit more. As it'll pitch up a bit, mm-hmm. so this uh, certain software it forces the planes the nose down. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that they didn't tell the pilots that this was a major change in how you fly the plane because 
if they did, then they would have been required to have all pilots who were uh, 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 driving this this machine, they would have had to do mandatory uh, simulation training, which is millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of time. And so they basically hid this uh, from the FAA and from the pilots. And so these pilots didn't know that this system was on board and uh, it was also, the system was controlled by one sensor on the nose of the plane. So whenever you're in airplanes, you always have backups and backups to backups your backups. backups yeah. You don't have one sensor for a, uh, uh, what they call a uh, system critical device. Mm -hmm. So meaning that if this goes down, this kicks in. That, yeah. This goes down. That kicks in because yeah. it's it's there's too much at stake for, for for us to just not have plan like plan A through Z. Yeah, there you have to have redundancies. Well, they didn't do that, and so to save, I mean, a sizable amount of money, but I'm but in the back end, obviously. Yeah, and didn't. then and then so the first the very first of the planes crashed, and a lot of people were calling for them to ground these airplanes. They didn't ground the airplanes. Five weeks later, another one crashed. And at that point, the 737 Maxes were grounded uh, worldwide. Were they seat to oblivion? Um, is, so this actually is uh, kind of follows um, the House, uh, the U United States House um, investigation mm -hmm. into it. Uh, it was one of the largest investigations that the uh, U.S. Congress has ever has ever done mm -hmm. and um, yeah they got a lot of money uh, out of them but of course not a single person saw any jail time um, not a single person that covered it up saw any just good just great lawyers great what like I mean it's just typical for, it, for these it, large companies is it like is it like the machine where like every where like no one takes responsibility, so there's no one to point, there's no single person to point the finger at, so it's kind of like, uh, uh, stop moving all you ants, like I can't find out which one of you is leading everything. Well, I mean, they went ahead and the CEO stepped down, of course, with a you know, thirty million dollar parachute, gold, <laughs> that gold mask parachute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I stepped down with a, with a thirty million dollar parachute. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be my top ten list if it wasn't if I didn't have something about the dangers of late stage capitalism because you know that's just that's one of my go tos you know you got those those liberal what's ideals. That Frank, what's, what's that Frank? What's that Frank? What's that Frank song? Like I gotta be me. <laughs> I gotta be me, and that's and this is me, and yeah, it's just a biting, you know, very scary, somewhat enraging ex. Bose on on how Boeing and very powerful companies like it just they've decided that profits are more important than human lives and what I really like about this one mm -hmm. is uh, it kind of uses some historical methodology where it goes back like why is Boeing like this like mm -hmm. they used to be just the top of standard they mm -hmm. used to set the highest standard what happened so it goes back into the company's history and kind of pinpoints uh certain times was it leadership it was leadership yeah it's always, there was a merger it's, it's, it's always leadership where someone that's not a that's not about quality 
Was that about, it like you know comes and starts cutting costs and like how do we like save money or and then it's it's always leadership. Yep. The, yeah, it was a merger with McDonnell Douglas where the CEOs of McDonnell Douglas were now the CEOs of Boeing because of the intricacies of that merger. And that is very much the point in the 80s where things started going downhill. And uh, so I really, I really appreciated that. Instead of just being like, oh, Boeing's bad, Boeing's bad. Well, here's why. Let's go even further. Let's, fur- let, let's, let's go let's further. Go further. Because let's, learn, let's learn another lesson other than just don't cut corners. It's just mm-hmm. like, no, there are people, there are great leaderships out there like where you're just like for a while, you're like, why was the quality of this product so good? Mm-hmm. And then later on, you're like, why is, there, why is all their stuff suck now? Absolutely. And it's always leadership. I like to bring up my guy, Jocko Willink, the retired Navy SEAL guy, but he's always like leadership in everything. Like great leadership is everything. It shows, with, and it shows because, you know, I'm sure whoever was running Disney like back in like, you know, the 90s, that's why we got the renaissance of great Disney films. And then whoever doing it now with every live action remake, we're just like, obviously, probably some different leadership. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, the, some of the anime stuff is still good, but the live action stuff is definitely uh, it's definitely lacking in originality. <laughs> well, that's also why they just made a change in leadership. Yeah, <laughs> that strange world. No one even heard of it, did they? No, 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 <laughs> I, no. I, I, I didn't even see a trailer for it. I just heard people talking shit about it, dude. <laughs> I think I saw a couple of TV spots about yeah, it. Yeah, but like, but and, and I'm on YouTube, so I feel like they would show trailers. Like, Disney has trailers for all mm-hmm. their shit on YouTube, but I didn't see a single trailer. I just heard that, like, it bummed, and I was like, wait, Disney had a new animated movie come out? And I didn't even hear about it? All right. But anyway, uh, you were talking about capitalism and all of its, yeah. and all of, and all of its woes. Uh, my number six is going to talk about social media, sir. Oh, I've heard about this and one. My right? number six, I think you've heard of this one, and it is not okay. Yeah. So uh, this one is this one is weird. So um, well, first weird thing about this movie uh, when you watch it, it's on Hulu, I think. Mm-hmm. But they did this retarded thing of like having a disclaimer that said, "Warning: This movie stars an unlikable female protagonist." Like it was a statement about like women can be unlikable characters too, and I'm like, oh, okay. We had Gone Girl like seven years, like five years ago. Like this isn't like this isn't a big, this isn't a new. Like this is okay, whatever. But anyway, moving past that dumbassery, that's like the that's like the worst part of the movie. It's just okay. the stupid disclaimer at the beginning. So you got this uh, this main character played by the incredible what's her name Zoe Deutsch. Oh, I love her. She's fantastic. She's the best. She's so good. She was the best thing about Zombieland too. <laughs> oh, she is amazing. She was the best thing about Zombieland too. But this character, uh, basically. Have you seen this movie or no? I have not. I've heard of it. So the premise uh, for those listening, and if you haven't heard it, if not, it's all good. Uh, she basically uh, works. She wants to be a journalist, writing. She's writing at this kind of BuzzFeed type mm-hmm. company, uh, full of, just full of nothing but like millennials and Gen Zers, right? And um, he's trying to be popular. There's like this one guy that's like uh, played by uh, Dylan O'Brien, who's hilarious as like this influencer Love guy, him, who's yeah. just like he's great in this he oh. dis- he disappears in this role he's like like he's doing like his hardest Mac Miller impression 
It's like really, it's like really good. He's just always smoking a vape and trying to look all kind of hard, even though I don't know how hard he can be as an influencer. That's another. That's another actor that I feel like doesn't get his Jets desserts, and you know, people. He he just hasn't had those big starring roles, or the big starring roles didn't really do as well. Well, they were too generic, and I feel like the problem is you need to start like giving leading men like. Char- more character, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, here's the thing. It's really hard to, like, Brad Pitt and George Clooney and the Cary Grants and the Jam- and the Jimmy Stewarts, you know what I mean? Like, they make it look fucking easy right. being, a, being like, a quote-unquote generic leading man with charm. Because, like, well, like where they're not, like, where their personality isn't, like, a specific thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where it's just the movie's on their shoulders. Of, if you like them, you'll like the movie. Right. And... And so, as a character actor, I think he's he he kill he, like he killed it here. But the story with Zoe Deutsch is that she just wants to matter, have something to write about, and be relevant. And so, um, she basically uh, does a bunch of fake Instagram posts and tells people that she's going to Paris. And she's really good at Photoshop, so she like you know photoshops herself in all these different places all over Paris and stuff, right? And then there's the, the bombing happens in Paris, right? And everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, we know you're there. Are you okay, right? Everyone's, like, asked word about her in terms of at her job because she was trying to hype up that she's going to Paris to seem interesting. And so she just kind of goes along with it. She even goes so far as to, like, pack a suitcase and, like, go to the airport and have her parents pick her up. You sort of, yeah. And she and what she does, she basically just waits for crowd people to come out, and then just joins that crowd. And then her parents are like, "There she is!" You know what I mean? And they're hugging her, and everyone's just like embracing her. And she's a survivor now. She's super interesting. She's writing a story about how she's not okay, and it's and and it ends up becoming this big hashtag of it's okay to not be okay. And she ends up um, ends up becoming really good friends with this uh, this this like sixteen year old girl who's like this like social justice anti gun Gen Zer who like survived a school shooting, and so she's like you know she's up there on the stage and she's like talking about you know Congress and whatever like not like not putting in more good gun laws or, or whatever gun control or whatever, and she starts to kind of like hang out with this girl because she's trying to because she's trying to understand. Basically, just trying to be more interesting and like, how do I be more interesting? Hang out with more interesting people, and this girl seems to like be like her muse, so to speak. She kind of starts like cribbing off her ideas to write her all her articles and seem more deep than she actually is, because this girl actually has shit to say. Mm-hmm. Like, like this girl even does like spoke like a like like slam poetry where they just go and like say what they write down and some beautiful stuff that she writes, and it's just. This, this lie that she just rides the wave of and just keeps riding the wave and kind of, at some point, kind of starts caring about people. Because she's not, because she, she's a very selfish, selfish girl, obviously, to be doing all the lie about this and to put this much work into it. And, yeah, man, it's really good. Really good. I think what makes me put this in my uh, top ten is the ending. It, um, it doesn't let her off the hook. And there's, um... I'll just say this and leave it at that because the movie is broken up into clear chapters that it like says mm-hmm. and the ch- and the, the final chapter is called I Don't Get a Redemption Arc. Mm. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But I like that. I yeah. like that it's it's very much like oh you can oh I'm sorry that you feel bad now but you <laughs> you dug <laughs> you dug this hole way too much for me to be like everything is gonna be okay and we're gonna like you now. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle here. Right. 
And so, but yeah, and it really kind of deals, in, again, with social media where, like, everyone's, like, hashtag, like, not okay. And, and, and it kind of becomes this pot, like, her lie kind of becomes a thing that works for the positivity of other people. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see how she kind of can't get her, pull herself out of it without kind of everyone realizing that what they thought they were, what the rave, like, the wave they were riding on to be more open and, like, say, hey, I'm not okay about this. I'm not feeling good about this. Like, like put it out there so I can get help mm-hmm. was, was all incepted on, on a lie. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I thought it was great. Zoya Dorch is great. Uh, I forgot the uh, the little, uh, the, the the younger girl that um that plays uh, that character that she kind of latches onto, but phenomenal movie. I, I definitely think I definitely think you should check it out. Most people, it, it's not getting that much high ratings. I looked it up and it's, everyone's kind of saying, "Oh, it's mayor, it's okay." But for me, you know, sometimes a movie that you know for everyone else they're like, "Eh," you watch and you're just like, "Eh." Exactly. So, but yeah, for me, not okay is very okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, sir. Ah, thank you, sir. We're on number five now? Number five. What you got We're for in me? The top five. What Cheers. you got? Uh, this is my prerequisite, my required uh, animated movie. Okay. Because uh, it seems like every year for the last four or five years now, I've had an animated movie. What, uh, what took you so long, Brian? Yeah. Hey, last year, animated movie was number one with Mitchell's first Machine. Yeah, so, that, was, that was some good shit. Oh, it's a good movie. Good movie. So... We're, we're back in the animated category here um, with a movie that was on Netflix that just kind of dropped. And there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare for it. And I watched it and I was like, wow, that's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is The Sea Beast. Okay. Oh, this is that one that's kind of uh, DreamWorks, right? Possibly. Uh, very, like, like very sim- like not very similar, but... I've heard it compared to How to Train Your Dragon, like like a little. Yeah, bit. there's definitely some parallels uh, with how how to train your dragon. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, so um, this is um, it tells the story of a sea monster hunter and a young like orphan girl, and uh, she joins like this. She basically becomes like a stowaway on this like very famous uh, like monster hunting ship Mm -hmm. and uh uh this while they're looking for like um very elusive almost like uh the the captain of the ship he's played by jared harris uh very like ahab Mm -hmm. moby dick Mm -hmm. vibes with this monster called the red bluster and uh this is during like the middle of a very great a great war between uh, monsters and men and you know men the the monster hunters say oh these monsters are so terrible and they're killing people and all of this and that might not be the case mm-hmm. um, it's more of uh, folklore and myths and misinformation uh, leading to the persecution of these monsters these monsters are fighting back because they're being persecuted. Hey, don't start no moon be none. Exactly. So for me, uh, you know, this is a perfect analogy for uh, creepy crawlies. You know, my favorite mm-hmm. being snakes. Snakey, snakey, snakes. Uh, and also, you got spiders and sharks and all that. All that. 
animals that are persecuted by, uh, by humans based off of myths and folklore and misinformation. So my snake-loving heart in this movie is like, oh, like, oh. just like, oh, I really like this because I'm just drawing this very clear parallel to these to these animals. And um, uh, the animation is just very vibrant, um, interesting char- uh, creature design, I really enjoyed the the, uh, the world b- building mm. uh, with it, and and it just added layers to the story. What's even cool in this one is the main character. Um, I can't think of her name at the moment, but main main character, her family. Uh, uh, she comes from a family of um, of monster hunters, and they died monster hunting. And so that's like one of the reasons initially she wants to become a monster hunter. Mm. And then as the movie goes on, she learns that eh, maybe her parents weren't the best and maybe had more of a role to play in their own deaths as uh, the, more than what she initially thought. When you find that swastika in grandpa's basement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, grandpa! <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) But it also is one of those things that you don't see very much these days um, is when someone is presented with new information uh, that they didn't previously have. And then that changes their mind on on whatever beliefs that they, they previously had. Uh, which I think is a very important uh, lesson to have in an animated movie or just a movie in general. You know in life? You, know? <laughs> you can all like come in and be like, you know what? Because for me, I live life being like, I know what I know, but also the more mature you get, the more you know what you don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> and the more you realize you don't know shit, and you're just like, I'm coming in here, I'm like, this is what I've heard. This is the limit of my knowledge. I know this much. There's obviously more to know about everything. Nothing, like, there is no person that is a master, you know, like that knows everything there is to know about that. They just know more than most people if that's their specialty. Mm -hmm. You know, given your Carl Sagan's or your, you know, or or your Oppenheimer's, you know what I mean? Like, at that time, they they were the pinnacle of knowing about it. But it doesn't mean they knew everything. They just knew more than anyone at that time. Right. We could all just go in being like, I know what I know. But I know I don't know everything, but we uh, we definitely can let uh, what we think we know kind of become a part of our identity. Absolutely. And then uh, once that uh, that thing we thought we knew ends up uh, not being completely true or true at all, definitely like a, it can definitely feel like an attack on on who we are. Yeah, because you've stayed you've stayed so much of what you are and who you are on that particular notion that even when you're presented with new evidence, you completely and wholly reject it because you have ingratiated that belief into who you are. That flag is too deep. Yeah, (laughs) and you can no longer separate the two. Um, I also love um, that this animated movie, which has some really nice, like, action set pieces, because mm-hmm. it's very much like an adventure kind of movie, mm-hmm. it's also somewhat like an anti-war, anti-violence mm-hmm. movie, which mm-hmm. 
I don't think I've ever associated with a animated movie. You have tons of war movies that are like anti-war movies. Anti-war movies. Um, but not an animated movie, which is pretty much an anti-violence, anti-war movie. So that was like, huh, that's weird. I mean, that's just like not not a genre that you think, or two genres of sorts that you think kind of mixes. But uh, with this one, it they they did it. Brian, really I gotta much. Brian, I gotta figure what they're doing over in Japan. <laughs> I, fair, fair, very, very fair. Uh, have you seen Grave of the Fireflies yet? I have not. Okay, <laughs> I have not. But yes, uh, let's bring, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a list of some animated movies that are even more mature and okay. you know tackle tackle things like that. But like in terms of animated things for families, I definitely get. That because you can't really have war movies for kids, right? Or for families, like, yeah. like nobody's like, "Hey, gather around, kids! I'm going to show you Saving Private Ryan." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're going to be traumatized in the first twenty minutes, but. Mm. But, uh, but sea yeah. monster is awesome. Uh, or no, is it called Sea Monster? No, Sea Beast. Sea Beast. Yeah. Okay. So it's good. One last thing is yes, sir. Uh, the great uh, voice cast mm-hmm. Carl Urban, who mm-hmm. has one. I mean, why doesn't he do more voice uh, work? Because he has such a interesting complex very uh uh noticeable uh voice is he australian i think so okay because yeah. he's I always because he's never using his accent and, right. and like in movies he's always like doing another accent so yeah so i i love carl urban he's great oh yeah um, he's great the the main uh girl is uh portrayed by zaris angel hator or hater not sure on that one, but the two have very good chemistry together, which isn't the easiest thing when you're talking about voice performances, because often they're done apart in booths, uh, you know, uh, sometimes weeks or months of, apart from one another. And so really building and having that like chemistry with one another, it, it, it's a little bit more difficult than 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 a live action movie. So the the fact that they had such great chemistry and and this, I mean that that's, I mean it's obviously what you want. Yeah, I mean chemistry is everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'll check that one out. Uh, it's still on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll, I'll check that one out while we're still in the holiday season. Uh, we're number five now. Mm-hmm. My number five is. Uh, the Batman. The Batman. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this one was uh, this one was good. This was yeah. I thought this was super good. Our Pat's, I think, easily the best Batman in costume. Yeah. He uh, he really captured the silence of the character. You know, I'm you know I'm kind of thinking back on our review of it, and we talked about just the way he just made everyone feel uneasy, just how yeah. he would just you know emo Batman, emo Batman. But that's just Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, <laughs> That's just Batman. I Batman's mean, always been a bit emo, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember someone posted a picture when the, before the movie came out of you know because he has that he has the whole like makeup around his eyes mm-hmm. to black out. And I remember somebody posted just the picture and said um, someone took him to the black parade or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I thought it was I thought it was great. But yeah, the movie I thought was excellent. Uh, a little too long, mm-hmm. little too, maybe like fifteen minutes too long. Um, really enjoyed that ending where he just you know has to be among the people and lead them out and not just yeah. be in the shadows and stuff. Him learning to just you know not be not be so much of a loner, right. you know. Uh, 
I just, I thought it was great. They finally gave Martha Wayne, like, some kind of relevance in the story, because she's just always just the arm candy of, mm-hmm. you know, of, uh, of Thomas Wayne. And it's like, oh, no, the pearls. And that's pretty much all we know about her. But, and, and, you know, and, you know, and even then, she still doesn't get much, but at, but at the very least, like, she matters to some degree, like, in the story. Like, even they even say that she has, like, a mental illness of some kind. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that may be genetically passed down to Bruce, which is why he is taking the death of his parents harder than maybe someone else. You know what I mean? Because there are people that, like, they're young kids where their parents die, but they don't go, but, but they don't hold on to it at, at 30. Like, they've somehow mm-hmm. maybe helped move, like, move past it. Like, Bruce had Alfred, like, and he's like, no, I don't care if I have a surrogate father. I'm holding on to this for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And it, and it will define me, so. But, yeah, I thought this one was uh, was good. I'm, I'm excited for the next one. Not quite sure about the Joker stuff. Um, did you watch that deleted Joker scene? Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, I thought it was good, but I, I don't know. I'm a little Jokered out right now. Yeah, I was just about to say <laughs> There's so many other villains, like especially with Batman, like yeah. Let's, uh, Joker's been done. Let's let's, let's let him rest it's, for a little it's, bit. It's, this dude, has, this dude, you know, next to Spider-Man has the best rose gallery of all time. Yeah. Use some other people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's it's not hard to yeah, and and also characters that like we've never seen, so you can do your own thing and not just a new version of what we've already seen. Exactly. Like I feel like Joker, like Joker just seems the easiest one to like always want to do a different interpretation of, mm-hmm. and also has that easy um, mainstream, like mainstream. Um, what's the word I'm thinking for? Uh, or not thinking of, or thinking of, but I'm thinking just that, like like that main girl, like recognition. Yeah. I guess because everyone knows name the recognition. Joker. Name recognition. Yeah. yeah. Because you know why they're doing another Joaquin Phoenix one, which I don't know. I heard it's gonna be a musical. I heard Lady Gaga may be Harley Quinn. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> that is my reaction. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. So we're at number four now, sir. Yes. Now this is the one. Uh, I've been most interested to talk to you about because uh, we we had like a partial conversation about this movie when I was here last, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a chance to finish that conversation. Okay. Uh, so I'm interested to do that now. Okay. Uh, and this movie is Emergency. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah, because yeah, I remember my wife did not... Correct. My wife did not like this one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, with the two uh, the two college black guys, and they find the the, the drunk white girl, mm-hmm. and then they're like, uh, "What do we do? Because uh, this isn't a good look for two brothers like us." Uh, right. So yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, one of the guys in there is uh, R.J. Seiler, who, if you watch the which we both did uh, together. We watched the Power Rangers uh, movie from Oh, yeah, that one was 2017. 2017? 2017, yeah. Uh, and he was the, the blue. He was Billy, yeah. Yeah, Billy, uh, blue Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that's the movie I know him best from. Mm-hmm. And he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And also has, you know, very much has some emotional moments. But the best thing about his... Uh, performance in this movie is the fact that you know he has fantastic comedic timing but also his his reaction Mm -hmm. acting Mm -hmm. is just phenomenal I Mm -hmm. mean when 
other characters are, are like saying things to him that he either doesn't like or, or is just dumbfounded by just seeing his facial he's, expressions. He's the voice of com- he, well, like he's the voice of comedical reason, right? Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean some of some of his reactions shots are just fantastic. Dude, that line where because they have that roommate that's Asian. Yes. Or, and they're just like he's just like something to the cops. I forgot what the word was. He's just like like the cops don't know what to do with Asian people. <laughs> like he's like somebody like, he's Asian. The cops don't know what to do with it. The cops don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I remember that being good. I, I, here's the funny thing. I've not, I, I never finished this movie. Okay. Because my wife was just like, I can't take this. And so, and you know why? She told me like, do you remember the reason why she didn't? Look? No, I don't. So the reason why was because she comes at it from a. Uh, from a sexual assault angle, angle of, got uh, it. Angle of like they don't care about girls that need help like this, and the fact that they're just like, we're gonna put not getting caught and maybe dying above like, like this girl might die. I don't know, you know. And she's dealt with, you know, like battered women and women and uh, and like you know like that have escaped domestic abuse and stuff. Okay, she kind of sees it from that as like I don't know if it's making light of it. I don't know. If, I don't know if she. I don't know if if, if making but. Basically, like they don't care, gotcha. or, or like her, like her living is like not the highest priority for Got them, it. and so that, like, and so that really bothered her. And I feel like she, th- she thought at certain points in time they had chances to like pass her on w- and have her be okay, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so she felt like there was like there, there a chance for them to be done with this situation, but they maybe kept making dumb decisions to kind of keep themselves in this. In so. that situation? Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that from perspective. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a white male <laughs> uh, 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 individual who's uh-huh. watching it, so yep. obviously that's not the experience I had, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely as you're explaining it to me, Makes sense. Like, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, which is interesting because because I'm me being a I don't really like talking about it on podcasts, but like being a black male, I have a different opinion of the cops than the average black person. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm not like, oh, you're black, so you probably experienced lots of this. I'm like, not really. Like mm-hmm. people are generally nice to me. Like you know, the cops. I've been lucky that like all the cops that I've had run-ins with were at the like at the worst just condescending. But like never like hostile or like as outward like I outwardly like easily to tell racist or any kind mm-hmm. like they just seem like they just seem kind of condescending you know but 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 at best they just seem like decent people that were just trying to do their jobs also you know like pulling so like also their job is quite dangerous so there is like there are, there are multiple there are multiple angles to to, to to think about here at the same time and not just like oh well I wasn't doing things so why would they it's like they don't know that they don't know like they're just walking up this and there are just many angles to think about mm-hmm. like with it too that I don't think are always discussed it's just like either it's copaganda or it's like aren't they horrible for doing this and I feel like like Thanos we, you know a balance and, right. and like like in perspective but I thought this movie from what I saw I thought was good I, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I, I really I really enjoyed it I myself would have been like yeah I'm gonna help the girl I'm not thinking I'm gonna I'm not gonna get shot or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, right. I, like they may question me, and I understand that. <laughs> like, I remember there was one time a long time ago with a with an ex, where the cops caught us making out, and I guess the I guess someone in an apartment building called the cops on us, and then like they pulled us out of the car, and they separated us, and they were asking her if it was all consensual. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask me anything. <laughs> 
And yeah. she's like, yeah, he's my boyfriend. But like, but they separated us because she had to tell me, like, they were asking me if it was going to be like, yeah, you know. But it was, but, but again, like, that's the worst. But even then, looking back at it now, I'm happy they were worried about her well-being. Right. You know what I mean, like, at the time, I'm just like, why, you know? Like, why would they question it? Like, but now I'm just like, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm, like I'm, I'm happy they're worried about her well-being. That like that I wasn't hurting her because I, if I was, you know what I mean? Like, like worst come to shove, I'm, I, I would rather her be safe than mm. anything else. And so, but it is very much a weird thing to have. I, I love that scene where um, they're like parked in front of that white, that white family's house, and they have the Black Lives Matter sign, but yeah. they also call the police and have their, <laughs> and have their things up there. So I, I do like the self-awareness that uh, a lot of these. Uh, signs that say in this house we do not tolerate homophobia you know xenophobia this or that are like sometimes they're true sometimes they're facades you know they're very much just to be like i'm one of the good ones you know and it's just like generally for me i'm like i I don't trust anyone that says i'm i out loud i'm one of the good ones you know actions speak louder than words also just who walks around saying i'm not racist just be good person i'll notice or not right <laughs> but if you want me to yeah, immediately notice to outwardly <laughs> say it, that's like saying like oh i'm a patriot I'm yeah like, if you have to say, say you're it. a patriot you're probably, probably not. not that's probably something not. others say about you it's yeah that's something you say about yourself it's also like <laughs> also like it's all i'm thinking about now you know yeah. what i mean like 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 there's that sarah silverman joke where uh where she where she was like um father's just letting you guys go know right now. Never tell your daughters that they can be anything that they want to be. Because until you've told them that, it will have never occurred to them that they couldn't. Yeah. And he's like, imagine I'm in the shower and my sister just kind of comes into the bathroom and just says, Hey, Sarah, I didn't read your diary today. And then walks out. All I'm thinking is, that bitch read my diary. <laughs> but if, you know, and also if your father says, oh, you can be anything you want to be, it's like, couldn't I? Like, I never thought I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, like, other things to think about now. You know what I mean? You can do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, can I not? Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah. Sorry. No, Sidebar, uh, anyway. Keep no, going. for sure, for sure. No, I just felt like this was a funny movie. I felt like it had something important to say. I thought it was very well acted. And, and especially, uh, you didn't see this, but there's the last scene mm-hmm. after everything goes down. And seemingly, you think everything's great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a confrontation with the cops. It went as well as you thought it would go, or as bad, mm-hmm. depending on your perspective. Uh, but then you're at the end. It's, you know, maybe a few weeks later or something like that. A little epilogue, you, yeah. You think it's uh, uh, over, and then the main character, as they're, like, hanging out, Here's a in the distance is uh, sirens, mm-hmm. and then his face just changes, mm-hmm. and like you, he realizes, and you realize in that moment that he is always going to carry what happened with him, mm. and that it's not over, and like this is something that's gonna stick with him for a long time, mm. and it just in that moment you're like oh shit like it Mm -hmm. really kind of punches you right in the gut and it uh it sticks with you long Mm -hmm. after those those final uh credits roll Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was just a unique 
uh, perspective of, you know, seeing that kind of well-worn, like, raunchy college comedy from a very different perspective, and it goes in a bit of a different direction than, mm. than you think it will, and, uh, yeah, I just, I really mm. enjoyed it. I will say, uh, my wife was bothered by it, but I really, really would have wanted to been in that class in the opening scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And even not, like, for me, not even in an angry way. I would have, right. because, like, some people get really, some black people get really triggered by that word. I don't without context. Right. Because I'm just like, how was it said? My mom, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a, oh, they said the word. I'm like, okay, how was it said? Because I've heard Louis C.K. tell it in a joke, and it was hilarious. Because in the context of the joke, it's hilarious. But also, also, we have this weird thing where, like, oh, you can never say the word. Ever. Black people can never say the word. Except if you're Leo DiCaprio getting paid $20 million to be in Django. You know what I mean? Right. But it, and, and it's, like, weird. It's like, wait, you can never say the word ever? Like, what if you're rapping along to lyrics that are already written? You can't do it like that. But Leo said it in Django and won an Oscar for it. Like, you know what I mean? like it's very much a question of, like, when is it okay to say it? When is it? Like, when you know that, like, it's the intent is not there and maybe you shouldn't say it? I personally don't care given the context of it but I know people that I'm like don't say it around them I'm just you know like use your common sense some people don't care about context while others are a little more lenient on it mm-hmm. interesting topic for another day but I did like that but I but I did find that opening to be pretty funny yeah <laughs> and he's like to keep saying it <laughs> and once again that's another one of those reaction shots for RJ Zyler where yeah. like, a, a picture says a thousand words just just in how he's uh, responding to it mm-hmm. nice so we're at number four right number four all right let's well let's talk about it now RRR. RRR. Here we are. Ah. <laughs> <Damn>. This movie. <laughs> so, like, so I, here's the thing. I had a joke ready for this movie at first. I was going to talk about... So this is a three-hour epic about um, uh, colonialism and just, the, you know, and just these heroes just battling. And I was going to like... Uh, and, I, uh, uh, and then I was going to say, okay, so it's Avatar Way of Water. And then I go, okay, I'm just kidding. It's Wakanda forever. Oh no, I'm just kidding. It's RRR because <laughs> I had like two set up for it, but then after a while, I'm just like, it's RRR. Yeah, yeah. But my wife and I watched as we, we heard people little pockets of the internet being like, "Yo, dog, check out RRR. This movie, right, exactly. this movie is crazy in all the right ways." And then uh, my wife and I watched it, and by the end, I'm gonna say this: uh, my wife and I were running around. My wife was like. Get down, I want to be on your shoulders. I want to see if I can pull this shit off. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a movie about brotherhood... Oh, boy. And, um... This is some epic shit. And all... Like, like, this is... I'm like, this is, like, the greatest action movie that Michael Bay has never made. (laughs) Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, like... Maybe, like, the love... Maybe, like, the Indian love child of Michael Bay and Zack Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, although but even gosh, how damn. over the top and outlandish it is, way more believable. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, dude, so many, dude, so many hero shots. The scene where he busts out and all the animals jump out of the cage at the same time. And I, <laughs> that is epic. Epic. Dude, that is so dude, epic. Both ca- both characters opening scenes, right? So like, so like one being like beating through the entire crowd to get that one guy, right? And then the other one opening in water with that great like shot that kind of flips over mm-hmm. and, he's, and he does the whole thing with the tiger and stuff and I'm just like 
Now that's how you that's how you introduce a fucking character, right? Gosh, and I just love that like they take these real life historical figures and turn them into like Captain America and Bucky Barnes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's something. Well, more just like Captain India and Captain India. Because <laughs> both totally like like they're just both like my uh, gosh. But like one is definitely like more like going the covert route where the other one's just going straight like straight out like a bull. Yeah. But gosh, damn, this was a fun this was a fun, heartfelt movie. I mean the, I mean the did I mean the Brits were cartoonish villains, but even then I, I don't know. Dude, there, there's a dance off this movie. I, I don't care. This was a great. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much a max, maximum list movie. Like, <laughs> maximalist. Not, that's yeah, the word. Mas, maximalist. <laughs> like, it's not a minimalist. It's the opposite. <laughs> because it just goes hard the entire time. And it is big and epic and in your face. And it doesn't take itself serious whatsoever. But. Even with all of that, mm-hmm. what's it what, feels natural. What's the word? It's the, it's earnest. It's earnest. That yeah. yeah, like it's just like there's it's it's not waking up the it's it's, it's waking up the game, but it's not you know you know what I mean like it's it, it there's love here right like the brotherhood between them is real you know what yeah. I mean when they when like the betrayal and then you realize that like dude that flashback with with, with his tribe where like he's learning where they have to be really good with the shots because they have very few bullets and mm-hmm. whatnot and. Dude, everything was just... They took out a... Dude, the whole whipping scene was just epic. And then when... Oh my... Everything about... Like, this... I, I, I put it in my Avatar review. I was just like, James Cameron. Buddy, um... They did a movie better than yours uh, for, like, a fraction of the price. And equally as epic, I'm not even saying it's like a low-budget movie. Like, like it's big. <laughs> like, these are James Cameron size action sequences mm-hmm. so he's, so it's and so I'm not comparing apples to oranges here this is right. this is this is apple to indian apple <laughs> yeah for sure i mean when dude goes down and covers him in the flag i was just like yes yes i am all yes uh, protect him in the and fl- from the flame oh and they save the kid and you're like oh gosh yes Oh, yes, a thousand times yes. But but what you say uh, about being earnest, it's it's really right. It's like it, the movie, even though it's like over the top and a bit outlandish, it is grounded by that relationship because you believe that relationship mm-hmm. because it is earnest mm-hmm. and 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 it feels earned mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that kind of keeps the movie from going too far because it goes just the right amount over it's the weird, top. It, it, it weirdly for a maximalist movie doesn't go too far which right. is a weird thing to say like yeah you know, like you're like how could it go too far but i, I don't know how but like in the fe- feeling wise it never went too far it just rides that line like a pro mm-hmm. <laughs> like an absolute pro and it was just fun i just <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because it is a three hour movie but it, and it's a it, lot it, of movie. But it flew by. Like, it does I, fly. I, by. I enjoyed it. Like there's there's so many yeah so many scenes where you're just like oh, okay I turn around. oh the dancing scene I love this scene <laughs> like oh the flag okay I love you know okay just one more and one more and then you're like oh well I'm I'm at the end and they're reach riding he's he's riding on his shoulders with a bow and arrow and they're got two shot two guns as he's 
<laughs> it's so insane. Also, I'm remembering this is the second year in a row I've had an Indian film on my top ten list. Because uh, I think last year I, it was the the White Tiger. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, that's just a interesting kind of uh, uh, trend there. Look at all. Look at us getting all cultured and shit. I know, right? Absolutely. All right. So that was my number four, and you did your number four already, right? Yeah. So we're on number three now. Yeah. So. This is another uh, Netflix film. It is also uh, another uh, documentary. This is Descendant. Okay. It follows uh, descendants of uh, survivors from the uh, Clotilda, which was the very last slave ship known to arrive in the United States Okay. Uh, right before the Civil War. And uh, it was near Mobile, Alabama. And mm-hmm. actually, the people from this ship ended up um, basically establishing a town mm-hmm. there. It was called Africa Town. It's called something else now. <laughs> <laughs> Obvious reasons. Um, so this. Uh, Damn it, I would have wanted to go there had it been still called Africa Town. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Um, but so this movie, this documentary is about like celebrating their heritage, kind of taking command of their of the story a bit and the legacy of the story, as well as trying to uh, find their remains of mm-hmm. the ship because mm-hmm. it was burned and no one exactly knows where in the in the Mobile Bay that it ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is. Uh, uh, what this film is about, and it also, you know, it's basically their link to their ancestor, a direct link. Mm-hmm. It represents a direct link to their ancestors. It's a really beautiful story of, of this community kind of reclaiming their history mm-hmm. and owning that history. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a prominent family that was a slave-holding family whose ship this was, Mm-hmm. That family still owns a lot of property in the area. Mm-hmm. They've actually sold a lot of that property to a lot of like factories, like mm-hmm. commercial factories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the air around this community, which is like ninety percent uh, African American, uh, is all like polluted from these factories, mm-hmm. and it's like seemingly a very deliberate kind of practice okay uh kind of not kind of rooted in systemic racism okay um that you know it's ironic that this slaveholding family still making money off of basically having negative effects on on the town on the town on black bodies starting with slavery and then with these factories that are making still still in another way making it worse and for like you said, what you said, ninety percent, like like black population in this. Yeah, type. that's a damn. That's a big population of black people in one place. Yeah, and uh, so I watched this with with my girlfriend, <coughs> who has a, a degree in history. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. I see what that worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was very, very impressed 
um, with how the film followed like historical methodology and mm-hmm. the way that it told uh, the story both in the past and modern and the way that it went into detail giving you all sides all perspectives of that story mm-hmm. um, not something you often see in documentaries or films in general uh, so she was really really impressed it really give, gave you a full view of that story that it was telling cool rather than just like one side or yeah well i i I want yeah i'm a guy that just wants things to be interesting and it's interesting if you just tell the whole story you know yeah absolutely and and what's this called again sorry this is called descendant descendant right right, right. yeah it was it was one that uh another um sundance movie that uh, made its way to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Since Netflix is buying up all the content, absolutely mm-hmm. uh, can find and them and Disney, right? Them yeah. and Disney, Amazon—they're just like gobbling it all up. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just—it's a really good documentary, uh, fantastic and uh, really affecting, okay. like re- emotional. And this is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Awesome. I'll check it out. I'm not a big. I'm not a big documentary guy, not just because I don't like them. I, I like watching a lot of nature documentaries. I just love animals or mm-hmm. so. You know, I even watch the Will Smith one Welcome Earth because I just like Oh, yeah. Because, like, like, that was one I'd like to stretch to in the morning because it's, mm-hmm. you know, nice and quiet, but, like, nature stuff, you know. <clears throat> ah, so we're number three, correct? Yeah. Number three is one we reviewed earlier this year and had a disagree had a some healthy conflict with. Ooh. I think you know this one. This one is the Northman. I was waiting for it. Nor- you know it was on I the list. I was waiting for you it. You know it was on the list. Yeah. Uh, this is some Robert Eggers shit, man. I love this one, man. Mm. Yeah, I know you did. Uh, this one was great. Some 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 Shakespearean Viking shit, mm-hmm. man. Beautiful cinematography. Some great acting. Uh, that great twist at the or that great twist with uh, his mom, I thought you know I thought was uh, I thought was fantastic. Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. acting her ass off as usual. She's mm-hmm. she's one of the she to me is one of the secret goats of all time in acting. That it just kind of just does her job and goes home, and I really pre- you know I really appreciate that. Alexander Skarsgård. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just the workout, but just like that posture, the way he just had that Neanderthal. He like just inhabited like that kind of caveman type mm-hmm. brutish posture, just you know, like not smart but smart enough to get shit done. Just single mindedness and, and like like in the revenge, like like in the revenge that that uh that dude that revenge of the Sith fight in the volcano at the end. Even you said that sh- that shit was that uh, like that last like kind of fight scene in the volcano was oh fit, yeah was fantastic. Yeah, no, it was well done. And uh, yeah, I you know if you know for me that's just that's just my shit. I just I, I like shit to be to some degree. This is again again more historical fiction, right? But I'd like I'd like the honesty. I like that the bad. I like that the hero is you know doing is doing some raping and pillaging. We don't see raping, but we do see pillaging. We do see killing, right? And I want them to show that with tribal folk. Period. I, I like. I honestly wish that was more. I, I don't like. I think they're okay with showing it with Vikings. Mm-hmm. I wish they were okay with showing it with like other indigenous people. Mm-hmm. That there is tribal warfare. There is raping. There is pillaging. There are. There is raiding. Everyone did it. Right. But I. But I think that there's like I, for some reason they have. They're still just stuck to this fucking noble like noble savage stereotype. Right. But they don't where because there's genocide and slavery involved they don't want to in any way like sh- like shine a, a bigger light on like the fact that like 
everyone's got skeletons in their closets. Oh yeah. But like, but because they, you know, you know, but because again, like I said, those other horrible things happened to people like that, whether it's the genocide of Native Americans or whether it's the, you know, the, you know, the trans or the transatlantic slave trade, they don't want to talk about the, you know, again, like you said with Woman King, where like they, they don't hit the slavery part as hard as maybe they could, you know yeah. what I mean? Because it was, it was definitely you read the history, it's a, it's a heavy part of the, it's a heavy part of their well, thing. Even when you talk about like genocide with like Native Americans and everything. Uh, many of your Native American tribes would go and raid other tribes yeah. and then sell them into slavery because yeah. they figure, well, it's not us, so yeah. good enough for me. Well, uh, yeah. The, if you're into that history, you know that, but otherwise, if you're just basing off what you see on like movies and yeah. things, you're not getting well, that. Dude, <laughs> dude, that's, I mean, I have that thing, I have this thing with like, you know, uh, uh, the Lakota tribe with them, you know, in the Black Hills and Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. where everyone's like, they should get it back. And I'm like, well, they took it from another tribe like a hundred years prior. So, like, is this about saying that conquest is bad and we should give it back to the original people? Because they may not be alive anymore. So, do you give it back to the last person that conquered it? Are you, because if you do, that's legitimizing conquest. So, what's what's the right, like, what's like, what what choice here is the most balanced right. thing? Because everyone's, like, every piece of land has been conquered by someone else. Mm-hmm. To some degree, so like not everything is owned by the person that's had it since the beginning of time, right? And so again, that's a diff- that's a, that's a more nuanced conversation to have. I just don't think people are willing to have that conversation. I think Vikings are okay because they're white, <laughs> so they, <laughs> which at the very least, I I, I I get some I get some more rawness and realness somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, but with the Northmen, I, I like I love that the main character was an asshole and. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't trying to make him any kind of like like they weren't trying to hide away that this guy was super selfish uh, the fact you know the, the whole betrayal with the mom and knowing that like she betrayed the dad because he was also a horrible guy and she yeah. was just like there's some real shit there right and like I honestly see her point of view you know what I mean like I feel bad that your mom betrayed you and was gonna have you killed <laughs> but I was understanding that like Hard, it's hard out here for a woman, right? <laughs> and, you know, like if you think women have like like ha- like have problems with Harvey Harvey Weinstein now, you don't even know what it was like back in this back in seven hundred AD, right? Yeah, <laughs> you don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, you attach yourself to a man out of survival, <laughs> simply put, even if he's a horrible person. <laughs> and you know, it's just it's just just a hard thing to do. But I I, I love the North Man. I thought it was fantastic. That cinematography. <clears throat> Magnifique. So yeah, well, we, you know how I feel about the. Oh movie. yeah, we already had this talk. Not, so. not, not my favorite movie of the year. Uh, a little bit too much testosterone and brutality for for my liking. Um, but uh, no, like, it, I I totally agree that last battle was just picture perfect. Um, Alexander Skarsgård did a great job with with what he was given and. Uh, just, just not my, not it's my the, cup of tea. Not your cup of tea, and that's perfectly fine. So, we're at number two. We are at number two. What do you have? You know, every year I have a little bit of a cheat mm-hmm. somewhere because it's my list and I make the rules. Okay. This one's just a little tiny bit of a cheat. Okay. Um, but I, I, I rationalize it so it, it, it makes it for me. Um, this is a two-part documentary on HBO Max. Okay. Um, called George Carlin's American Dream. 
Okay, I think I've heard of this. Haven't seen it. Yeah, so The Cheat is that technically it's a two-part documentary, documentary yeah. on a streaming service. So is it TV? Is it movie? I watched it all together, four hours straight through, so I'm counting it as a cinematic This is This is our podcast. Talk about it. Exactly. Um, George Carlin, one of my favorite comedians. He's one uh, of the goats. One, one, one of, you know... You, you got Richard Pryor, you've got, you know, your Robin Williams, and, mm-hmm. and, and you got George Carlin. I mean, he, you know, they're, 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 we talk about Mount Rushmore, they're definitely all on the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of comedy, for sure. And uh, I just love this. This was uh, done by Judd Apatow, and it chronicled uh, George Carlin's life and career. Um, it kind of got in, in his head. It, uh, a bit and and the way he thought and also kind of showed warts and all it wasn't yep. just a sanitized version of him and I mean, talked a, about his like, drug use I mean, he's not a sanitized man he was not <laughs> like, a you sanitized, say sanitized George Carlin I'm like the, the, those two words do not the, yeah do not con- that connect actually funny you say that because what I didn't realize is in the 60s he was very much like your your he was going uh, through like the mainstream way of becoming a comedian going on variety shows and like uh and 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 things like this and he was straight laced and had uh, a clean shaven suit tie and i'm like hold up is this the george garland i what who is this guy yes like like very like very jerry seinfeld yeah yeah absolutely and then finally he's like this is bullshit mm-hmm. it was about the time of the counterculture movement and then he becomes a counterculture icon and just says screw it i'm going on the uh uh the college circuit and like he had like a hundred thousand dollar a year job which mm. in the 60s is a lot of money a lot of money i mean and, i mean you're still doing fine now if you're doing like if you're not in california or new york like a hundred thousand would be you just <laughs> right and uh and they were in the process of buying a house and he was like hey uh, i want to do this and she was like all right well i guess we'll buy a house some other time mm. and 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 they went and he took like an 80 percent pay cut and, and went and did it but wow. uh as you say, the rest is history, mm-hmm. and it's really cool because um, in this they're interviewing, they're you know showing large portions of some of his bits, some of his most famous, like the seven words you can't say on television, and some other like large uh, sections where you're just like watching his show. Um, but they're also analyzing it and everything. You have uh, people who he worked with. Who you know? His, I think his daughter's in this. Kevin Smith's in it because he was in quite a few Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Burr. I just, mean, all the just, who's who. Just all the comedy. John like, Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so people who were inspired by him worked with him. All this kind of stuff, and it was just, it was amazing. I've seen it twice because mm-hmm. I watched it with my family as well. Because uh, my dad loved Carlin. That's where my love of Carlin comes from, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. the best thing I can say about a movie is, once again, I'm, we mentioned it before, it provokes you to go out and seek more. Mm-hmm. I actually went and started listening to his comedy albums from the 60s. I was watching his, his first stand-up specials 
uh, which were some of the first stand-up specials. He was kind of a pioneer when it came to that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, this movie got me to go and seek that stuff out. And, I mean, that right there, it had to be up top, near the top mm -hmm. of my list because it it made me go and seek yeah, that out the biggest impact in your daily life yeah yeah absolutely and uh it was it was great and he was you know there's a reason why he even though he's been dead 10 12 14 years at this point and whenever something happens in the political realm or whatever you know his sketches his his bits are still being referenced and, and put into memes and, and gifts and all this kind of stuff. Even relevance. Though, yeah, he's still relevant because he was so ahead of his time that he could be dead for 15 years and people are still talking about what, oh, what would Carlin think about this? You know? He's the Tupac of comedy. <laughs> I never thought of that, but goddamn, that's right. Yeah. Pops, <laughs> in my, pops in my head. So. He's the Tupac of comedy. He really is. Uh, so yeah, th this was this was great and one that just has stuck with me, you know, for the six months since I've seen it. All right, well, I'm not gonna say my number two because I think that's your number one. Okay. So I'm just not gonna say that because right. I think we know that because I haven't heard you say it. I, I haven't heard you say it, so I think this. So I think it's your number one. It's my number one. So I'm just <laughs> so we're gonna save it and talk about that. So just like you know, my number two is Brian's number one. Okay. And uh, my number one is um, we'll talk about it when we get to it. It seems like it seems, it seems like what I, I thought I thought you talk, I, th I think I thought you'd talk about, but uh, we'll get there. I'm, I'm interested because it seems like a you kind of movie as well. Yeah. But uh, let's let's uh, let's talk a little honorable mentions before we uh, yeah hop into those number let's ones. Do it. Just just a little lightning round. I'd say like what like a minute a piece. Yeah, or sounds less. good. On each one, so mm -hmm. uh, one I wanted to mention, I like X. I thought X was super fun. Yeah, uh, that movie, I saw it in theaters. Uh, there was aspects of that movie I really liked. Um, I felt like the, the ending kind of fell a little flat for me, mm -hmm. um, but there's definitely aspects of that movie that I really enjoyed. I thought it was, I, 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 I had a good time. And like, it, what, it didn't reinvent the will again, like, mm -hmm. like Hustle, but I had a great time with it. I thought the acting was, was, uh, was good overall. I really enjoyed, I thought the makeup was fantastic. Very good. Because it was on those younger younger people. Because mm -hmm. like when my wife was looking it up, she's like, that's the same yeah, people. And, like, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And I didn't even, I, I saw it in the eyes when she was like, oh shit, yeah. that is. And I'm, the way she played it, I was like, that was. They did a prequel to it. Too, I know, already. I haven't seen Pearl, I haven't seen, I, I haven't yet. seen Pearl yet. Yeah. Uh, but I heard that was also good, which was like, that's bold to like put on a movie and then it's prequel in the same year. I was just like, mm, that's. Well, that's like the Army of the Dead mm -hmm. movie and the Army of Thieves, which yeah. was better than Army yeah. of the Dead. But like, this was done by the same director <laughs> yeah, too. Right. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, I really, I, I really thought X was good when yeah. you got. Okay. Uh, the Black Phone. Oh, I enjoyed Black Phone. That was yeah, good. that was a good fun. movie. That was that, that one just I I had it up in my top ten, but then there uh, it, it it basically came down to that or R R R, and I'm like R R, it's just more fun. Yeah. It's just come on, I have to have that movie in yeah. there. So, um, but I, I enjoyed it. It you know talking about generational trauma. Uh, Ethan Hawke was very creepy. Um, Another secret weapon. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, we're talking Michael Cannon, we're talking Ben Foster, Ethan Hawke, is always and great. Ethan Hawke and Scott Derrickson, who who did Sinister. Sinister, I love Sinister. You know, it's the same. That's I'm, what drew I'm, me I'm, to this. I'm, I'm like, ooh, the I'm, same. I'm honestly happy that he let Doctor Doctor to do something else. Yeah, because notice, 
no more no superhero movies. Well, I guess the Batman, but outside of that, for me, ain't no Marvel on these lists. No, and, 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 and even and, for and, the Marvel and guy, there, and there was a time where there was one always made it onto your top ten list. Yeah, so very interesting there. Another one I have on here: all the old knives. Have you seen that one? I have not. Oh, this is a little uh, slow burner of a spy thriller with um, Chris Pine and Tandy Newton. Huh. And it's basically um, Chris Pine is trying to find out. Basically, him and her were both working as kind of like for an agency, and there mm-hmm. was a there was a hot situation on on a on a plane, and they're he's, they're trying to go back to real to kind of find out who be. Betra- like, who was the one mole or who was the one person that betrayed? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of this. I just didn't It's very it. good. It, it, like, it's basically them two at a table just talking about memories and past mm-hmm. memories and acting their asses off and just flashbacks. But it's solid. I really, I, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You, Chris Pine is also one of those guys where you're just like, give him something good and he will, like, he will make that shit sore. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those as well. And, and also, I just haven't seen Tandy Newton in a while. Like, my wife thinks she's one of those beautiful women in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, she's fine to me, but she's not, like, so. Right. But, uh, because there was, like, a sex scene in the movie that was really, that was, it's a little unnecessarily long. Like, it doesn't need, like, <laughs> like story-wise, it, it, like, it's, like, it seemed a little bit, like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it, it, because my wife was like, my wife makes me look away whenever it's a girl she finds hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But the girl she doesn't find hot, she's just like, whatever. But if it's like her, if it's like, like Anna Dara Ma, she's just like, you better oh, yeah. fucking look away. <laughs> <laughs> Those women are gorgeous. <laughs> uh, fair. But yeah, all the old knives, I, I definitely recommend you check out it on um, Amazon. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's solid. Cool, I'll solid check one. it out. Yeah. Um, here, here's some, uh, I've got a, a bit of a slew of documentaries. This one's Aftershock. Okay. Um, which is about the fact that a disproportionate number of black women um, are uh, die each year uh, when it comes to the maternal health system hmm. uh, in, in childbirth. Um, how it's like 20% higher than, than their white counterparts. Hmm. Um, and it goes into kind of the, the racism and uh, that... that not even conscious, like more like subconscious kind of racism that that has led to it, and um, what uh, some people are doing to try to combat that. Hmm. Yeah, my wife has told me about because you know, while I am black, I'm not a woman, right? And so I get the black female perspective from my wife, and uh, she definitely has told me that uh, there is a, uh, a a general thing where doctors don't take they don't take the pain threshold of black women seriously mm-hmm. yeah and, and so i and so when you mentioned that i was like oh well maybe i'm sure that kind of bleeds into that a little bit absolutely so. yeah so that that's really good um fire of love this is one i just saw the other day it's another sundance one that just came out on uh uh, Disney Plus, and it is about two French volca- volcanologists who spent their lives studying volcanoes. And uh, first, they were studying more shield volcanoes, more the oozing flow river of lava, and they went more into the like strato volcanoes, which is the big explosive ones, like your uh, Mount St. Helens. Actually, that's mm-hmm. what spurred them to do that. And so, it ta- oh, I mean, the visuals, they, they use their uh, home video or their videos that they shot at all these volcanoes and the, it, I, they've remastered it and everything, but it is just gorgeous, like just amazing 
uh, shots and um, uh, you know it from the very beginning it's not a spoiler to say that they die um, hmm. in the very first part of the movie it says this is whatever 1991 this is their last day and then it goes from there and then circles back to Damn. so this is not a spoiler by any means that um, sucks I had a whole joke about how <laughs> I, thought, I thought you wrote this movie because <laughs> it sounds like a love story that you would write about like how you met you know it's like like doing outdoorsy stuff so. yeah absolutely it's just it, it i mean it's just beautifully photographed uh see it on the biggest tv you can it, it's amazing it's a great story i've also worked at many uh volcanic parks of course i don't go as deep as their knowledge but like i have a, a certain base level knowledge uh when it comes to this um, that, that maybe the average person watching this film doesn't have. Uh, but it, so it, it actually really drew me to it. And oh, that's up here already. Yeah, it, it's, it's great. If I had seen it before, I'd be like, Brian, just send you a link. This is your shit. Absolutely. So that that's a great one as well. Uh, I got a couple here. I'm going to rattle them off. A Barbarian, I really yeah. I thought was fun. That was fun. The ending, eh, a little odd for me. A little but. odd, but Justin Long, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Justin Long, come I, on. I have, I, I, he is the most enjoyable rapist I've watched this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, another one I really enjoyed was um, Emily the Criminal. That was a good one, too. With uh, my girl, Abu Plaza. Uh, she, she's, she's, she's always choosing interesting projects. I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. I think, I think that kind of copped out with the ending, though. Yeah, the ending, sure. the ending, they gave her too much of an easy decision to make yeah. in terms of where she was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I was like... And they really just telegraphed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they telegraphed yeah. it. So I, I was like, eh, okay. I'm, everything up until then, I thought was great, but that moment mm-hmm. where she has the where she has the job interview, yeah, I was like, okay, you kind of pushed her down. She only like this choice is not hard to make, and that's the point where they should have made it a hard choice, right? But they made it easy, so mm. they kind of like if they nailed the yeah. ending, it may have been on my top, but like yeah. you know. Uh, another one, weird. The Al Yankovic story. Oh, I heard that. I heard that that they kind of like do like a um, what do you call it? Like a Bobby Cox? Was it No, yeah. Bobby Cox. Like where it's kind of a satire of right. uh, a biopics kind of. Yeah. Thing. No, it uh, is Cox. Uh, Dewey Cox. Louis. Dewey Cox. Dewey Cox. Yeah. Cox. Yeah. There we go. With uh, with um, ah, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah. Yeah. But, so but, they definitely go down that 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 avenue, and it's like just everything is just perfect. Like. The fact that Daniel Radcliffe is like a foot and a half shorter than actual Weird Al. He has a terrible wig. Uh, some of the, you know, this movie was made for $8 million, so it's definitely cheap in parts. But all of that adds to the joke. I mean, it just perfectly is a part of it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he looks nothing like him. It's a bad wig. Oh, that set isn't great. But it all is in service of the joke. <laughs> and, all, and once I heard... But it's a satire, and I was like, "That's the angle to go with yeah. this. That's 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 perfect." Like I, I yeah. haven't seen it yet, but I do want to see it because I thought that I, I thought once I heard the prim- like the angle of it, yeah. I'm like, "I love it." Yeah, I love it. it. I love it. It it, it kind of falls off a little bit by the end. It, like I feel like it it should have been a bit tighter because it's almost two hours. It should have been a tighter, like closer to ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it was, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe was having fun. Weird Al is actually in it as well. Nice. Uh, you have so many people with big star cameos in ridiculous roles because, you know, if Weird Al says, hey, do you want to be in my movie? Oh, fuck yeah, I got you. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. 
It just, and it has, it sprinkles little bits of truth mm-hmm. in it here and there. Be like, oh, actually this did, you know, he did get his first uh, accordion from a accordion salesman that was going door to door. Like, like just. Like, it's like lies, lies. That's true. Yeah. Lies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but it's, I mean, it's just fun. Uh, this is another one I watched with my girlfriend and we just laugh. Last. <laughs> is, is she a Weird Al fan? Uh, I mean, isn't everyone like? Yeah, I feel like more people. I feel like some people were heavier than others. Though. True, you know what I mean. Some yeah. people are like, I heard a couple songs. Like me, for me, my biggest one is the uh, the Star Wars song he did. Yeah, the 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 my oh my this old Anakin guy, the mm-hmm. the uh, Miss American Pie satire. Yeah, because they used to put him Reader Disney a lot when I was yeah. like twelve, so I heard it the most. So, uh, a couple more that I got here. I got Bubble, which is an anime that came on. Mm-hmm. Um, Dig this mathematical equation. We got the Little Mermaid and parkour and global warming. Okay. Equals. You you have my attention. (laughs) So basically this whole phenomenon happened with bubbles and Tokyo's just like half underwater. Mm -hmm. And just in this bubble, people just compete over like, like kids realize that just in this bubble, they can just be kind of, kind of lost boys almost. Yeah. compete over resources by just having like parkour races over like these buildings oh wow but the buildings are also halfway submerged so if you fall you're gonna be okay because you're gonna fall in the water right and a beautiful just animation like if you're a parkour free runner this this is the animation for you because like gosh they had a lot of fun just Mm -hmm. animating them running and bouncing off of all kinds of things a little little generic in the story uh they do the whole have you ever watched the um the guy on YouTube called Pop Culture Detective. I've heard of him, but I okay. Heard. So he coined this term called "born sexy" yesterday, and uh, it's like, it's uh, an example would be like Fifth Element. You know, gotcha. we have a character that's a fully grown woman who's super hot but also super naive gotcha. at the same time. Yeah. So like, you don't feel bad that they're mm-hmm. like that the guy's crushing on them because they're a grown ass woman, but at the same time they have the they have the naivety of a child. Mm-hmm. And this movie almost goes like hints there but then doesn't and I'm like thank god yeah because there's this basically like character like like female character that's very childlike that does parkour with him and it's very mm-hmm. much like I get, think it's more just in the way they dress her yeah and then they kind of also she kind of sees herself in the story of the little mermaid because she's actually read the story mm-hmm. by other people and kind of sees herself in that story and, and so it's it's definitely like a clear one to one kind of comparison they yeah. don't hide it there but Super fun there, and then um, a really fun comedy I loved, which was the unbearable weight of massive talent. That was that was <laughs> one of mine. Uh, that that was hilarious. While I watched it on the plane just, when I was flying back from Paris, super funny. Super funny, just Nick Cage being his Nick Cageiest, and it was just it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, my wife watched it at a different time than me, but on the same plane flight. Mm-hmm. So like I would like glance over and see he's watching it. Okay, and then like. He would laugh like sporadically throughout that, like you know the whole thing where he, where he like passes out from the sleeping pills or whatever. Yeah. And then she's like, "Action!" And he goes, <laughs> yeah. and "He just goes on." He's like, "He's an actor. He's gonna." Yeah. There's uh, so many great, so many him climbing over that wall with um. Who's that act- other uh, actor he's with? Uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Yeah, like dude, their oh, chemistry. It's so good because <laughs> like a lesser actor couldn't. Handle couldn't go toe to toe with Nick Cage as, at his Nick Cageus, but but Pedro Pascal was able to meet him. And I also love that Nick Cage is one of those actors that can 
make fun of himself. Right. Because so many actors are like so like some so sensitive, so cagey with their mm-hmm. silly. Like he'll make and the fact that he like will make KG? fun. Cagey, you said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I have to throw that freaking CSI yeah! in the scene right there. Good. Uh, that's good stuff. But yeah, yeah I mean, um, Massive Talent was great. One one for me, uh, Clerks 3. I haven't seen it. it was good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I made my girlfriend uh, watch Clerks and Clerks 2. Clerks 2, I, I still just love that movie. It's so juvenile. I, I have to fist bump you. You may be the only other person I can enjoy that movie with. So, yeah, Clerks 2. <laughs> I, I, and and I, love and I love it now that uh, when I can quote the movie with her in ah. both movies, and be like, you know, whenever the number thirty-seven comes up, we're like in a row. Yeah. And then uh, when she she has a dog, she'll be like, oh, I miss Annie or her bloodhound, and I'll be like, I miss my donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she thought Clerks and Clerks Two were kind of dumb. Yes, guy so, yeah. comedies which mm-hmm. they very they much are. are they are um but so i i made her watch clerks clerks 2 and then we went uh out and saw it uh clerks 3 mm-hmm. while it was on its like week run in theaters mm-hmm. and uh she really loved it i really loved it like of course there's some nostalgia in there very meta it's kevin smith um, what's really weird is, uh, he had, he had a, uh, heart attack. Everyone, a lot of people know he had oh, a heart yeah. attack about oh, yeah. four he years lost, ago. Oh yeah, he had one, lost a lot of weight. A lot yeah. of weight, you his, know. His daughter turned him into a vegan. Yep. And, uh, and he pretty much recreates word for word, almost like beat for beat of what happened with his, uh, heart attack with his Randall character. Okay. And, and then that spurs Randall to make a movie about his life, mm-hmm. Clerks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, it's Death. Inconvenience, which was the original name Clerks. for Clerks. Yeah, like layers upon layers. Exactly. And, uh, but it was so weird because I've heard that story because I've listened to all of his podcasts. I'm a big, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Oh, yeah, I, I would, I listen to, I used to listen to Batman and Batman all the time. Yeah, so like he, him. he was, he was one of my entry points to cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gone very much further than that since then, since I made that entry point in cinema, cinema, but he, I always go back to him because he, he's the one that started it all for me. Mm-hmm. And even though it can be juvenile and, and all of this, but he's still just, that, that's where I come back that's to. I thing. have, I have that nostalgia. It's your thing. It's your thing. Don't be, don't yeah. be proud of. No, for sure. And, 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 and he plays on that nostalgia but he also punches you right in the gut in this movie i mean it's also really fun it's really funny in the beginning and then yeah by midway through i mean it's just you get to with some feels it it hits you with all the feels cool um and uh, yeah i really enjoyed it um and uh couldn't quite put it on the on the big list but i i had to mention it okay well I think I'm out of honorable mention, so let's just uh, let's just wrap it up with our number one, shall we? All right. I think I know what yours is, so let's talk about it. All right. It's my it, number two. Is your number two everything, everywhere, yeah. all, all at, at once? once. <laughs> I love this movie. 
I mean, the, from the moment I saw it, I was like, well, got my number one wrapped up. And I even I even saw it with my brother, and he's usually the, the test I have, because uh, he's more of the general movie-going audience. And if my brother's not digging a movie, he'll get restless, he'll start messing with me, picking with me picking at me and stuff like that he was he was in on every frame of this movie hey, dildos and, and kung fu like, man yeah yeah I mean someone sorry beat, so, wait, dildos butt plugs and kung fu yes <laughs> dildos butt plugs like someone literally gets beat to death with not one but two dildos two dildos <laughs> I mean this movie uh, it's it's an assault on the senses a bit. Um, I mean, if, 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 if those things are all fun, then yeah. Yeah, but I like, mean, just with its craziness, the the story, the visuals, the, the fight choreography, the performances, like, I feel like the level of difficulty in this movie is so high, and it puts a lot on the performers in it, mm-hmm. and every single one of them, I mean, Michelle Yao, you know, how, how many times does a... a you know, 60-year-old Asian woman, Chinese woman, uh, get to headline a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. She's, I mean, I'm, dude, I grew up And she that. kills it. Uh, I, I've been watching, I mean, I've, I'm a big Hong Kong cinema guy, so mm-hmm. I watched her in the super cop movie with Jackie Chan, you know, I've watched her, you know, Force and Crouching Tiger, you know, again, she was the great, she was the excellent, excellent uh, mom and crazy rich Asians. Mm-hmm. I mean, She's, I mean, she's everywhere. I mean, she's like two different characters in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, I, Michelle Yeoh is Michelle Yeoh. She's, she's a woman of many talent, and this movie tapped into a woman yeah. of many talent. Yeah. And yeah. you know who else is having just the time of their lives in this movie as, as one of the villains? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. She is just having and and speaking of two sixty year old women like killing it, you know, headlining movies and mm-hmm. just like and you could just tell you could tell she was just having a ball. Falling in love with hot dog fingers, right? Hot dog fingers. I mean, yeah. I mean, what's so cool about this movie is even though like. You can get distracted or even it could be too much for for some people, just all the craziness of the multiverse aspect of it. And yeah, the hot dog fingers and the dildos and all of these things, uh, the, the, uh, the everything bagel, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that stuff. And, but the thematic depth this movie has, it keeps it grounded where it's not too much. It, it, it it goes back to what we were talking about, RRR, the earnestness of the, the story at hand, which is really just about, like, repairing broken relationships and, you know, uh, letting go of past mistakes. Of, nihilism. Yeah, of nihilism and loneliness and depression. The road not traveled. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love dude, that. That, both, that went in both sad places and also hilarious places, right. too. Right. Absolutely. And uh, what's his name there? Our guy, I forgot his name. Oh, yeah. But the, um, but the uh, guy from... Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah, he was a short round in short um, round. Temple of Doom. Absolutely. And, uh, and he retired for acting for like 
20 or 30 years. Yeah, because there just weren't it. There just weren't roles for him. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, the 90s and 2000s. I mean, basically until now, it's hard for Asians in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, maybe behind the camera and definitely a stuntman and all that stuff. And, you know, anywhere behind the camera, but in front of the camera. In American film, it's hard. But yeah. uh, this is now the time he came back. Uh, what a resurgence. If, they're, oh. if, if you're going to come back, this is the movie to come back. Yeah, and what's so cool is like they the fact that he is like not what you would assume is like a manly man, but like the film makes a point to say like his strength is his kindness. Oh dude, I'll literally I'm gonna send you a video. There's a literally the same guy I mentioned, Pop Culture Detective, mm-hmm. has a whole video about his style of like that character's style of masculinity right and he has a whole video on, on mm-hmm. that and like he's like he's like I've never seen a like masculinity like displayed like this yeah where he's just like you know he's quiet but he's not he, he, he fixes stuff all the time it's just not always in the front yeah and you know when he goes and talks to the person and he comes back and says I bought us another day or two she's just like what are you saying like I just explained stuff and it's just how do you keep fixing like, how did you just fix something you know what I mean buy us more time especially when I was just you know Crazy stuff, but yeah. but uh, again, good stuff. Mother daughter, the mother daughter stuff. My mother daughter stuff. I teared up. The little yeah. rock. I laughed. The little rock with the googly eyes. Oh my god, it was so I, good. I was laughing. It, and yeah, like and I've seen this movie twice, and like I'm just so excited to to just keep rewatching it because it's it's so dense that like every time you're gonna watch it, you're gonna you're gonna pick something out. That you didn't pick out the first the first times. It is Gen Z's The Matrix. Very much so. And um, I don't know why, but it's amazing that this movie was directed by the guys who did the turn down for what music video. Is it really? If you if you watch that video, yeah, turn down for what? Yeah, you'll see all you'll see all the visual tricks. Oh. <laughs> it, it's wild. Like there's a scene where like a guy pelvic thrusts a girl's clothes off, and mm-hmm. then pelvic thrusts on a different set of clothes in yeah. the same jump cut. Oh wow! You know what I mean? And, I and, to, and, yeah, I haven't seen that. And, and, like like time. a mim just like gyrating to the music and just like going through like ceiling and floors because the music is just overtaken. Yeah, you will see like you will you see will the directing style immediately. Yeah, but just knowing that those guys like made like this is just like great. Yeah, is uh, yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> I can love it. I love it too. Uh, there's only one movie that uh, that took the top spot for me uh, above it, and that is the remake of All Quiet on the Western. Ah, Coast. I was wondering if this was gonna come up. <sighs> I fucking love this movie, dude. Yeah. Uh, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's taught. No one's really talking about no, it. No, it's one of those that just kind of got dropped. And, and it's a German film. Yeah. The cinematography is gorgeous like yeah. this movie feels like the better version of 1917 right and I like 1917 mm-hmm. but this movie ha- this movie has a harder have you seen this movie yes this movie has a harder gut punch at the end than For sure. that movie like Mike like just that timing it also surprised me because it is different than the 1930s movie mm-hmm. I haven't seen the 1930s yeah movie. so once again me going deep into the decades I have seen this uh, the the original um, movie and there's a whole nother scene mm-hmm. in the original where where uh, the main character returns to that 
school with that teacher. There's a confrontation with the teacher um, who's trying to get more people to like sign up and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so there's yeah, but they they cut that short in mm-hmm. this one, uh, and, and a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this movie, man, to me, I mean, first of all, those those long takes in the trench warfare. Yeah, that's some masterful war filmmaking mm-hmm. for me. I like it. Just it felt it was so much flash, but it didn't seem to like. It's I, I mean it, it's 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 like if Michael Bay didn't try to make action look cool, right? Where it's like it's cool shit, like it's. You, like in terms of like pyrotechnics and technically this is phenomenal to mm-hmm. look at but like it's terrifying and or you're like numb to it at that point like right. the, the way the main character reacts with it's very much just like okay you know what I mean like another like dude that when like at the end when like the guy's like we're pretty much done but could you could you guys go out and give us one last let's, let's go out on a win yeah. <clears throat> and people are just like what are you fucking yeah <laughs> this is also a German film too so it's probably why I didn't get a lot of eyeballs because people right. don't like subtitles for some reason yeah but dude so so much heart dude the scene he's like reading the letter that uh, his wife wrote him or reading the guy his, the, the, yeah, the wife wrote him because he can't read and he talks about the daughter and he starts to slow down and then keep reading and the, the guy has uh, kind of a happier face on his happier smile even though mm-hmm. it's a sadder moment it kind of reminded me of um, in Guardians of Galaxy two when like um, Mantis is feeling Drax's like sad like sadness, but he's smiling, which was he's crying for him almost. It's yeah. kind of like, but it was just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, another kind of anti-war movie. Yeah, but also a great war movie in that sense. Just yeah, the kind of my issue with that mm-hmm. is, and that was kind of my fear when I heard that they were remaking this film is with the technology mm-hmm. of today mm-hmm. the war scenes are going to be bigger they're going to be brighter they're going to be more engrossing which mm-hmm. the, I think there's a quote uh, it's been attributed to a lot of different people but it's like you, you can't make an anti-war film because once you s- show war on film it becomes exciting and that's an anti-war film becomes a war here, film. I guess here's the thing. I was never excited, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was excited by the filmmaking, mm-hmm. but not. But I wasn't adrenalized. By, like, I'm more like, this is an incredible shot. Right. But, like, the character, like, his... I, I, I'm with the character the whole time, and his mm-hmm. reaction is never... Adre- he doesn't look adrenalized at all. He just looks like... Like, the, even the way he stabbed people just seems so technical. Like, mm-hmm. I got to. Right. But, like... Dude, the moment at the end, yeah, when like once like the whistle's blown, everyone's just kind of like, I guess we're not fighting anymore. And like it was just so matter of fact, which I love. I mm-hmm. love the whole like this enemy soldier just walking around like, mm, well, well, you know, I guess let's take the dog tags. Let's, you know what I mean? Like we're not someone blew the whistle. <laughs> we're, not, we're not killing each other anymore. Right. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah, you know we're guys who are. You know, now like nowadays, like we're like we're at war because of someone's a Republican, someone's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. But like, there was a time where like we could just like most of the time we're just at the same bar having a beer together and having a great time. But if we go to war, it's like sorry, I gotta kill you tomorrow. But love you, brother. You know what I mean? Tink, enjoy this glass of beer with you. And this kind of goes like kind of harkens harkens back to that mm-hmm. kind of 
and I mean, I'm not going to say again that again that timing of that end, like that ending scene. And I, I again, I, I see your idea on the whole like spectacle of war, right? But I guess I don't know because I guess I guess because the main character never reacted, like like it was never the sound design was great. The character was never like dodging and being like, whoa, whoa, you know what I mean? Oh my god! Like the character was never engrossed in the mm-hmm. war almost because he's he's mostly dead by that point, right? I mean, you know, and you know, like, because they're like two like kind of trench runs he does and doesn't even then it's survival. The whole thing where they like run down and they're in a trench and they're just eating because like they don't know when they're like they don't know when they're gonna eat. They're fun. Mm-hmm. They're like they're enjoying just eating a couple of raw eggs, right? Because that's all they've been given to eat by their own people, <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the cinematography was just every shot was a painting. Yeah. I rarely say that. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think I've ever had like a, a, a foreign language film. Like I can just subtitles just in my number one. But when I walked, when I finished it, I was just like, that's the one. And I watched it in two parts too, but it's like a, it's a long movie. Yeah. About 240. About 240. It's on, it's tapping three hours. You know yeah. what I mean? It's in spitting distance of it. Mm. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I really, I really enjoy the one. I haven't seen the original, so I don't have yeah. the, I don't have the comparison that made that you have. Yeah. And again, it's, well, I mean, like you said, it. I mean, kind of making anti-war film to a point can also, like, I guess from how you describe, it, can be paradoxical. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, like with the movie Selma, where it's like it's only until you show the horrors that like people can like do something about it. Mm-hmm. And if it's just always just the gunfire just happening over the graves, they're just like, well, I don't know. You know, our boys are in Iraq. We don't see it. We we see movies. But generally, you know, it can be war propaganda where our boys are kicking ass, you know what I mean? Or maybe even, maybe it's the other side where it's just making us hate the military because there's a lot of shady shit going on. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. I mean, everyone's got an agenda. Everyone wants to tell a story with an edge or, or with an angle, you know? Mm-hmm. But this one worked for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I still got to watch the original because I, I, I know it's a classic. I just haven't watched it, but I thought this one was a... Uh, was very good, especially for Netflix, especially for some, for especially for Netflix to put out. And it I, was just kind of dropped. It was dropped. Like, which, uh, net, uh, quite a few of the movies that I, I have on my list this year were Netflix movies that were just dropped because that's kind of what Netflix does. And also, no one's talk like again, no one's talking about it. I right. mean, even from just like a technical, like because technically this movie is fan. Yeah. Like I like I know you mentioned that that it techni- its technical achievements are almost its kind of hindrance. Yeah, for, for you of, liking it. Uh, yeah, but, but you gotta admit that those technical those technical things are because it's great, not because it's yeah. like bad, like or like badly done technically yeah. wise. Also, um, the the whole subplot with Daniel Bruhl, who's the most uh, the biggest actor, biggest actor I would say yeah. in this. He's, he's Baron Zemo, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the Captain America and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, he so that whole subplot with getting the armistice and and, and that wasn't in the original, so that was added mm-hmm. for this one. And I feel like it kind of takes, uh, although it provides some historical perspective, um, I think it it kind of takes away from the experience of the main character because this movie is all about immersion Mm -hmm. into that experience and and make you feel what he feels and then taking almost giving you like a break from that 
for this subplot that overall has an impact somewhat like on the war the a greater impact on 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 everybody but doesn't really have much to do with the main character's personal story you know what i'm saying i do understand i think i like the contrast of like seeing like how clean and how you know prim and proper the situation was when they're trying to discuss they're trying to stop the war this one guy and his whole thing and his whole nice house mm-hmm. while you while people are like the people literally over the ridge are like literally tr- stuffing food in their mouths in mid battle because that may be, because that's the first first food they've seen in days you know what yeah. i mean and then seeing him be sitting next throwing food throwing nice like like like, like juicy drumsticks to his freaking bloodhound it's just just that comparison of just he he has all he can be patient he has all the time it's not his life that's on the line you know what i mean right. it's just and again, that's why he can be out there and be like, just just one more guy, let's go out with a win. And it's just it's it's just it's just so easy when you're removed from it. And mm-hmm. I think and I and I think that's the point they were trying to make. Because there's even a point where he's on his balcony and you can he's just watching the battle like happen like right right over, like, right over the ridge. And I think that's the point of ha- just having us people be removed from any given battle and, and and us being like, well, let's have more patience. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, like it's easy when you're not getting shot at to like say patience. You know, whenever like you like you ever been in a rush, and someone says t- someone tells you to slow down, but it's always someone that has nothing going on that day. So right. it's easy to always be like, so it's, it's easy to always say take your time when you have all the time in the world. Yeah, and I think that worked for me uh, with that. Uh, again, beautiful film. Yeah, man. That's pretty much all I gotta say about it other than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, until that movie came out, everything, everything, everywhere was my was my number one. But that gut punch at the end was just like, you yeah, know what I mean, for me, and ah, like it's like it's like it's almost Hitchcockian, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where, where they just the timing of it, you're just like, ah, oh, he was right there, he was right there, right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know, and for anyone that hasn't seen the original, including me, like, it, like I'm assuming that happened in the original. Did that happen? Did that same? No, no, it was a different ending. It was too? a different ending. Oh, okay, so that ending was so. So, so what do you think about the the, the ending in this one? Then I guess if cause it's I, I had admit, to... I was missing that that other ending. Yeah, the other I was I was waiting for it, and then I was like, oh, oh, we're not okay. We're not doing that ending. All right. I don't know. I, I it's so hard for me because I can't just watch it. For the movie that it is, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm because I've seen the original, mm-hmm. and the original's such a classic that like I'm all the entire time I'm just comparing mm-hmm. and were, contrasting. Were there a lot of similarities? There were there were quite a bit of similarities, you, but there like, were on like on what percentage scale would you say like it was similar? I'd say 50, 50 60, 70? I'd say about like seventy five. Okay. Percent okay, but percent. the end, but the ending was different. The, the ending was different. Like I said, the stuff with Daniel Bruhl, all of that was added from I'm, I'm, the new I'm, one. I'm interested now mm-hmm. that you're like you would have that you liked the original ending. I thought they said this ending was great, so I'm like, if 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 this one made you go, eh, <laughs> like, what the hell did you watch? Original, like I said, he there's a confrontation with the. The, the the whole guy that was rallying up in the first right, place and to go out there. It yeah. just feels more like a closed loop mm-hmm. uh, with that mm-hmm. one because it, it takes you right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. 
because he's gone through so much. Mm-hmm. So, did you dislike this new ending, or did you think, or, 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 or it was it was fine? It was fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I did you think? Did, did you enjoy the acting in the movie? Like, like technically, no. was it? Yeah, was technically, good? the movie's good. Mm-hmm. Like all that. And like, like in a parallel universe where you hadn't seen the original, what would you think about this movie? Um, I, I, I would. Probably, I, know, I know it's a hard thing to imagine. I guess. Yeah, it, of, it's tough. I, like I thought it was good. I thought it was a, a, a fine remake. It just didn't hit the heights mm-hmm. of of the the original, which it never was going to. Mm-hmm. I felt because it the other one is almost like mythological at this point. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a fine attempt. But it was a fine attempt, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 there's aspects of it that like. The 1930 movie couldn't even touch, and like it was, you know, in terms of the technical aspect. Yeah, I thought it was goodness. Like just from the acting, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Goodness, just the, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know what it is about men in war movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, damn, man. I'm like, there are just moments of just silence of just, and those moments always hit the hardest too, where people are just like, it's just nice to like stare at the sky and like have raw egg like, like when like when that's like the height of your day you kind of mm-hmm. just look at kind of just look at yourself in the comfort of your own home and you're just like man I feel like an asshole complaining about shit sometimes right because <laughs> I had never had it that hard mm-hmm. never yeah <laughs> especially just like that whole end where he's where they were pretty much done and he's just like go back out there and you're just like why? Why? Like, there's no, there's no reason for it, and just also just th- for me, I think this movie is, you know, as great as it is, and no one's seen it. Nobody's talk- like, like maybe like two people. Like, I only saw it because like, uh, like two people brought it up as like they saw it and they thought it was excellent, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like, IGN didn't bring it up. Like my normal film reviewer guys didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, is it because it's German? Is it because, like, is it because it doesn't hit the woke points of, like, not having diversity? I mean, it's all, it's German, so I don't know what, what you're going to do about diversity when it's a bunch of German guys. Like, right. like, you're, like, you're not, like, you're not going to hit those, because I know the Academy has, like, that new weird, like, list, checklist you got to, like, have to even, for it to qualify, you know? Where it's mm-hmm. just like it's gotta have like a black this, it's gotta have diversity of this in the production. I'm mm-hmm. like, so what about movies that are foreign and like there's just mostly white people there, like Norway or <laughs> Germany or you know or or Netherlands? Like, what, are, mm-hmm. like I guess foreign films just don't uh, just just aren't gonna just aren't gonna count or be acknowledged anymore. Yeah, right I'm now. not sure. But um, no, I actually found I this is one that I heard of that was coming down the pipe years ago and then when it dropped I'm like what? and then I was like oh yeah that's right I remember reading about this just like two three years ago uh, that it was on the way and, and so I, I had heard about it and uh, uh, some some of the circles I run in in terms of like podcasts and stuff had mentioned it as well so uh, yeah no I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you, you enjoyed it and like I said there's aspects of of this one that the 30s movie just couldn't hit because of the it's time so do it was right do you think those aspects would have been hit if they could that's a good question you know what i'm saying yeah 
because like because again you say that it's like 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 the spectacle kind of takes away from the message mm-hmm. almost like it takes takes away from the message almost so do you think like just the time like it got lucky probably be, because of its limitations yeah hmm interesting I, I would think uh, yeah there's an interesting conversation now I'm after I'm after to watch the original and uh, maybe we'll have a talk about it one day we'll do a yeah. comparison that'll be fun yeah that would we'll be do a little special podcast we kind of compare you know yeah that'd be fun it'll be fun yeah cool cool well, I want to wrap this one up then? Let's do it. Well, thank you for joining us at First Glance. You can find us on Podbean and on the Apple Podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this very long movie discussion, but I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you're driving on the road, got things to do. Uh, I'm Jeremy McKinley. I'm Brad Pabst. And thank you for joining us.